It's amazing how time flies. It is Saturday, September 12, 2020. My name is Steven Sersky. Thank you very much for joining me. And today is another episode of my podcast. And today is uh, a special one, an interesting one, uh, because I'm going to be chit-chatting or talking with a couple of longtime friends uh, that I used to be in a band with some 20 years ago uh, in uh, in Canada. And uh, with uh, Stephen Beria and Stephen Furmanuk, we made up the trio that was known as Sierra's Tears. Uh, it was my first foray into uh, being a rock drummer, being in a band. And uh, it, it lasted for quite a few years, and then we all went our own way. Um, with one lineup change along the way, but then we also uh, did other projects Afterwards, uh, now we are spread out around the world, uh, from Winnipeg to Toronto to Beijing, China. So today we're going to actually uh, sit down and listen to what we made before, some of the music that we made before, um, including our, our major release, our EP, our six-track EP, and that we'll, uh, we'll listen to it, we'll comment on it. And uh, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to um, fade in the songs and whatnot, uh, in and out, and then if you want to... Uh, listen to them all the way through, then we'll, uh, I'll post the links on my website and you guys can listen to them uh, when, whenever is better for you, so uh, in their totality. And of course they are on Bandcamp as well, um, but I'll post links to all this on the show notes. So with that, let's uh, get this meeting going. Fuzzy. Oh, he's finally got the uh, audio or the microphone set up. Can I hear you? You can't hear me. There we go. Yep, I can hear you now. Excellent. Fuzzy. And Stefan F. Um, Okay, right on. Do you want me to record my audio on my end? Uh, You should anyway. Oh, my God. Look at this definitely handsome man. How are you? Happy oh. birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very ah, much. Ah, yes, happy birthday. Uh, all right, yes. that's It's been a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah I was birthday. saving that for today. Yeah. Are you guys drinking, or what are you having right now? Well, I was waiting until we got the call in, so let's do it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm yeah, having... Little, uh... Jameson, I'm having coffee. I drink- <laughs> put some whiskey in that coffee. I, I don't have whiskey. I have bourbon. I have four roses bourbon. This was a terrible idea. Um, That'll do. That'll do. That's I eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, I no. Nothing I can't. Eight o'clock in the morning, like like cheap bourbon. Oh, I can't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna open a window. Just one second. I'll be back too. Well, good to have you all here. Glad we could have this fun get together. <laughs> Everybody's just gonna leave. Hey, entertain yeah. us! Come on, it's just you. <laughs> uh, I can uh, I can play the horrible track I was just working on while I was waiting for you guys. You mean Jelly Bean? Oh, Sam! It doesn't stop. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. No, you're not sorry. This is uh this is neat. I've never had three before. Okay, so let's see. All right. <laughs> it's not what I've heard. Oh snap! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. Uh, oh, I'm hilarious. Oh yeah. I missed you. I was putting my headphones on. 
I made a really lame joke. Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. There. On my oh, I end. like that picture. I didn't mean to do that, but uh, that picture of you there, Mr. F, is actually very good on the, the Twitter box that I Wait. just posted. Ooh, I'm on a Twitter box. Uh, you are. I can send a screenshot. Let's see if well, let's see if I can do this right there. Level check, level check. Oh, why am I messaging it to F privately? I don't want to do it privately. Everybody's no, fine. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Oi, it won't let me do it. Nope. Oh, well. Let's see if I can just schluck it into there. Chat. Everyone. Oh, yeah, let's try this. There we go. That's the screenshot I took. Oh, yeah. It is 9.36 a.m. here. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> You've been up for hours. You went for a run. You uh, did your push-ups and cleaned your bathroom already? I didn't do the yeah. push. I actually didn't do the push-ups though. But you're right you about the push-ups. I didn't. I did the run. <laughs> uh, clean the toilet. Bad. Uh, I didn't clean the toilet. I kind of messed the toilet. Oh snap! <laughs> oh gross. I uh, I've been doing. Ooh, I went hot there. I do. I was doing hundred push-ups a day. And uh, then uh, hey. And then, uh, you know, life got in the way, and I had stopped. So yeah. Starting those back up, slowly but slowly but surely. Uh, do you do them, how do you do them, like 10 every minute? Yeah, right, 10 every minute. Uh, <laughs> I, I 10 don't every know. hour. What? <laughs> well, so the... 10, 10 every hour. At the top of every hour, I do 10. Oh, that's a good idea. So I had it up to, I was actually doing 20 every hour. Um, but then I took two weeks off with, uh, you know, mom passing and all that kind of stuff. It just threw all my schedule into total chaos so yeah not sure that no i'm getting back into it though yeah um yeah exactly and sorry to hear about your mother uh my condolences yes thank you thank you um but 10 every hour come on dude you can do 10 a minute (laughs) i don't know if i can do 10 a minute i think you can you just have to push yourself maybe i could Uh, for a solid minute or two you i mean if you because i understand you do it every you can do it every 10 minutes That'd be fine as well, because that would give your, mm-hmm. your body enough time. Uh, and the only reason I s- every ten minutes, then then you'd be done in an hour. But I understand, like it's it's tough to work it into your schedule sometimes. Me, like when I do a hundred push-ups, I do it in ten minutes, and it's like ten minutes. I'm just doing that. I'm not at work, right? I'm I'm at home here, right? And I just just do the push-ups, and then that's usually part of my own workout uh, regime or whatever it is regimen. Right. So working out while I'm working, if I do the ten, it was. Be- 15 and 20 made it easier, but if I did it every hour while I was working during my work day, like this is my desk, right? This is where I work as well as do everything else. I just hop back there, bang out 15 at the top of the other hour and get back to work, right? It takes mm-hmm. me two or three minutes. Two or three minutes to do 15 push-ups. Uh, well, getting up, going over there, doing the push-ups, going to get a coffee afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I judge not Getting the next coffee. So the next thing, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Quick, yeah, quick one. Every fifteen minutes or every hour. Your your next evolution can be doing a hundred burpees. 
if you want to, it kills you. A hundred burpees, like uh, doing a hundred burpees. With or without just, the push up? With. Uh, what do I do? I do, I do, I, I do the snake. Actually, I do the like when I'm standing, I get down and I go and I come back up. I don't do a full push up because what what I used to do is I used to do ten burpees, ten push ups, ten twenty sit ups, and twenty crunches all within like one set, and then I would rest fifteen seconds or do kickboxing or something like that in between it, and then I'd uh, do it again for five or six rounds or ten rounds is actually how I started out, but I was like, this is too long. I'm getting bored with this. I'm just gonna do six rounds instead. But yeah, that's that's one uh, workout regimen you can you can try. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't have the patience for anything but biking. That's all I can do. <laughs> I'm like, I just waiting for your answer. Go bike for three hours and then like, you know, you need arms. You just need cardio. That's <laughs> what do you need arms for? What do you need arms? Whatever. Need arms. Lift things up. But you do actually go biking for three hours, or or not? Well, yeah. Well, sometimes, yeah. But I mean, two would be the thing. Like, well, like one and a half, an hour and a half or two. Depend. I mean, when I have time, which I don't usually, but during the during because now I'm back at work. But during the lockdown, when wasn't it funny? Wesley like, how, for like three months after the lockdown hit, all we had was time. We're like, this is great. I have everything. I can do anything I want. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope. Yeah, now nope, I found this extra time where I can slot things in. I'm right back up there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm back at work. It's all gone now. I'm all. It's all normal. That's good. Well, at least you're back normal? at work, right? I, normal. Yeah. yeah, it's not normal at all. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I don't, I don't think it's, normal is the right word. It's the most fucked up time to be teaching ever, but it's. Uh, but it's. But it's just it's good to get out of the house. I mean, it's historic. It's, it it's, is historic. I mean, and that's why we're doing these podcasts to to make our mark on history. That's a good point. That's a good segue. Uh, okay, your brother just, said, "Is is that EP the really the only thing of note that's happened in your life that's worth podcasting?" I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <and> then, <laughs> moving to China was a big one, I guess. So that was sort of a big big step as well. All right, so yeah, here we are: Winnipeg, Toronto, and Beijing. Why are you in Toronto? What happened? What? 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 Well, I'm in. I'm in Kitchener, actually. What, like, uh, what happened? What happened? I'm in. No, I'm in. What I'm in Kitchener. Wrong? Like, you um, ended up in Kingston. Ah, uh, no, it's Kitchener. not Kingston either. It's Kitchener. 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 Sorry, Kitchener. Kitchener, which is the one that's attached to Waterloo. I'm teaching drama. Like, I got. A, I got a teaching job. I went to. I went to Teachers College in Toronto. Like, we were in uh, a theater company. Moved to Copenhagen, and we were. Um, working there, and this this is 2008. So then the entire world economy collapsed, and the Danes decided they didn't want to give money to Canadians that don't speak English to make plays about Canada in Denmark. And so after sort of like the year cycle that we had a grant for was up, um, decided to go to to Toronto and 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 go back to school. And I was gonna go to grad school, and a friend of mine who's uh, teaches at the U- uh, University of Winnipeg was like, "No, you should you should get your teaching degree, and then you can like teach on the side while you're while you're doing uh, grad school." And I thought, "Oh, that sounds good." And then I went to teachers college, and it was just like, "No, actually, this is what I want to do." So then a uh, teaching job came up in uh, in Kitchener, so uh, at, at the arts high school here, and then I moved around to a different school, and now I've been here for nine years. So wait a minute, you, you just basically took your teacher's de- certificate or teacher's degree? Which the teacher's one? degree, yeah, like a, like a bachelor bed, yeah. Like, so it's like a three-year, you actually sat in class learning it's, like the theories of how to teach people. Well, in, in Ontario at the time, it was only a one-year degree, and it's now it's a two-year degree. But I also did half a master's degree, and then I had a kid, and that was enough of that. But I, So I have, I have half a master's in education. 
Uh, in, no in, oops. No oops. His his son is a wonderful, was, wonderful. It, was, it wasn't oops. It was, but it was like, oh yeah, you actually don't have seventy two hours in a day to do shit. So I was yeah. like, okay, well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the but, one thing that I've sort of appreciated uh, with, with this, we talked about the, the coronavirus lockdown and how we had time and with starting this podcast yeah. and getting back to work. And then I, I like to work out quite a bit. I'm single. I live on my own. I'm not single. I have a girlfriend, but I live on my own. I can't imagine the people who have families who are able to work full time. Uh, work, yeah. do a podcast. Oh, I don't know. Have friends. Uh, do anything. How how do you find the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't find the time. I don't, don't do anything. I hang out with uh, with Wesley. And the thing about it is, he's like he's an only child. He's you know he just turned seven. Like he has like for a long time he couldn't hang out with other kids. So like I got to be the kid. Like I got to play on his level. He's got to have like he's got to you know i got to laugh at his jokes and stuff like he no he has nobody else to like be on that level with so i'm like running around like a freaking lunatic for months and months and months and months and months right so now i'm actually talking to adults and people over that age now so it's more relaxing <laughs> it was very very tiring so yeah right. no i didn't do anything so then give us one of wesley's jokes your your son is named wesley uh yeah yes and yes i will uh woo. <laughs> oh i lost it there what's happening they're back. Not- what have you done? Wait a minute. Is this the I'm- joke? <laughs> the joke is I've left the Zoom chat. Uh, well, hopefully it reconnects. I was, we, had to, uh, we had to censor him. I have. Oh, there. <laughs> yeah, there, you go. there I am. There it is. There the my iPhone is sitting on top of its like uh, um, um, headphone cable, like balanced against uh, a stack of books. So right. it, it jumps off. And there's something. Okay, this is Wesley's joke. Um, he made this up. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Confused cow. <laughs> Confused cow who? Moo. <laughs> right? It's confused. I think that's brilliant. I it's think a it's a pretty great. good joke. It's, pretty it's a pretty good, good joke for a six-year-old. Uh, oh, God. But, okay, so if you reverse that and said that to a six-year-old, do you think they would get it? Yeah. Well, you could, yeah the kids get it. All right. I don't know. I don't talk to kids anymore. I mean... It's, I, it's all well. Right. I talk to people who you could consider to be kids, but they're not. They're they're grown people. Right. Uh, right. Well, that's good. So you had six months. Uh, is, does your son live with you then? Um, well, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, he's here. Right, okay. He's here a lot of the time. Um, yeah. So we. Uh, yeah. No. It's, I mean, it's been like. Yeah. I, I complain about it, but no, it's actually been been really really cool. Like, when do you get? Like, I'm trying to find like like the good things, right? Like, in the, the what's special about this? What's different about this, right? Like, when do you get to spend six months just hanging out in your house with your kid? Like that just not doesn't happen after you know they're they're three, right? So um, it was actually really really fantastic. Well, yeah, but, and after they're 15, you're not spending any time with them either for totally uh-huh. different reasons, right? For, exactly, yeah. They're, they're all up, they're, they're playing in rock yeah. bands and, you know, causing shit. That's right. Nice segue. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> cycles back and cycles back. As always, well, you know, actually, uh, and the reason I'm, I'm interrogating you, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. F, um, is because, yeah. uh, Mr. Furmanuke, uh, because uh, I actually asked a couple of uh, mothers to be on the podcast, and all of them said no. Uh, they're like, well, what would I talk about? <laughs> uh, and they do have things to talk about, but they don't feel comfortable, you know, going on the record. And uh, it's, well, sure. A lot of our friends all have kids now. And since yeah. I don't have kids, uh, I mean, 
it's just the question. I mean, like, how do you deal with life? How do you how do you raise these little people? It's how do you because all the things that I used to do, I go, oh, imagine if there was a little one of me. I mean, how can I justify having you know uh, anything? Like, how can I justify listening to heavy metal when I won't let my kid do that? Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> or something well, like that. What I think you got to do, besides knock your phone off the stack of books, is like. <laughs> Um, it's a biography of Bernie Sanders that it's leaning against. So I think it's, I think it's too far to the so left. Leaning to the left it over a little bit. Yeah. Oh, um, I have to, uh, I have to, um, it's, it's, um, he's a force that gives life meaning, right? Like there's reasons to do things, right? Like it's like, it's like, um, it's like when you got, it's like when you got a show the next day, it's like when you got something coming up and you're just totally immersed in it. Like you're in like in, in theater, I'd say it's like being in tech week. Like when you're just like, you're just going the whole time. Right. And like you get up and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, Hey, got to do the thing. Like you're just constantly in that mode. And it's like having that, it's like that, but with uh, but, but in a parenting sort of context and it gives you, it gives you reasons to take care of yourself because you need to be happy and, and healthy and, uh, and like positive and sane um, in order to be able to do your job properly, uh, to look after this person properly. And so you got to actually gives you reason to take care of yourself, reason to listen to your music, reason to, woo, reason to, uh, I'll find a different way to do that after I'm finished talking, but uh, it gives you reasons. You know, it, it, uh, it, it motivates in a way that it's not, it's not different from the important things. I hear people say, oh, you don't have, people don't, don't have kids don't understand. No, it's the same. It's the same as doing something that's really important that you love and yeah. that you sort of make, make your life about that thing, right? And it's just intense for a long time and it doesn't let you sleep. But like, it's, it's essentially just one of those things that you just um, can allow yourself to get completely thrown into. And feel good about it because you're doing something, something valuable and something good, right? Like in the same way as, as making art or, or like, or whatever one does that's valuable. You know? So are you still able to be creative even though you do have this charge to take care of? I mean, you're saying that he, you know, the, a, a child gives you that sort of that meaning, but then like to me, having a child like that, that is like a 24 seven, even, and, and, oh, yeah. and I've heard other parents describe it, like even when they're not around, you're still thinking about them. I mean, it's not like having like a song. Absolutely. It's like, okay, I'm just not going to think about it for a little while. But I mean, with a right. child, you're like, what could be happening right now? I mean, so are you still able to be creative and produce and, you know, live some sort of other life other than just, you know, be dad? Uh, I think that the creativity, um, uh, like like the space for creativity, gets filled by the act of uh, of parenting. At least for me, because uh, man, that was the cat. The, the cat jumped off his cat tree onto the onto here. Maybe I'll just hold it. But okay, where did I go? There I am. Um, like because the act of parenting is really creative and like it's like I'm improvising constantly. I'm 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 planning planning days and I'm coming up with ways to to sort of um, make his brain build and continue on and stuff like so it, it is very creative. Like I haven't been I haven't been able to do much in terms of writing since uh, I just I just started I just wrote a play for my students this year. Um, that was the first time I'd kind of had the brain space for it. But it's not like it's not like it's suddenly a change that like it never comes back. You're like I'm going to work on this project for like five years and really just put my brain into it for five years, and then I'm going to work on it part time after that five year period, and then start letting other things into my life. It's kind of like that. It's like taking a it's like taking an extended gig somewhere. You know, it's like going to 
um, yeah, taking, taking some kind of really intense job for a while and then sort of backing off of it a little bit. So I think it's, it's not like you're missing something. You're just pausing those things. I think that's how I felt about it. Anyway. Right. Okay. So then uh, Mr. Beria, do, do you feel like having a child to, uh, not with me, obviously, but like, like in right general, now, to give um, you that sort of a push. I mean, push. it's pretty lonely in here, but I mean, <clears throat> um, <sighs> It's a tough question, right? Like, I'm 40 now, right? Like, I'm an old man. The thought of, like, raising a child at this point, like, I'm going to be 60 when they graduate, and, like, you know, uh, it's a weird thought, right? Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, I look, I'm not going to lie. I love the fact that I just, you know, someone sends me a text and says, hey, Steve, let's blah, and I go, yeah, okay. And I put on my shoes and I walk out the door, right? I really enjoy yeah. that part of my life, but at the same time, you, if I was in a situation where I did have a child, you would make it like, I'd make it work. Right. Like a lot of my friends have child or have children and it, I'd have to, you know, organize my life in some way, which I haven't done since, Oh, I don't know, ever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that might actually make me do it. So you know, but I, I am kind of missing uh, a major part of the have a child um, um, scenario. So. I find it uh, like, Mr. Fermanuk, what you said about, uh, you know, you know, a child gives you that sort of push. And because I've read some other books um, by some of the people that, you know, sort of had big company, have big companies. And they all said, you know, even after um, having children, they're like, they just, their, their level of productivity actually went up because they had that extra push. Absolutely. Um, not that I would sort of, I mean, not that I want to have a child, you know, light the fire under my own ass, <laughs> right. but it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, look at I got a baby. Now I should actually make music that makes money. Yeah. Oh, mm. No, I don't think, I don't think it works no. that way either. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it is uh, something that does need to sort of have some sort of planning behind it. Uh, at least in the sense of like mature enough to be like, yes, I can deal with right. this, not be like, okay, but, no, I can't. I mean, I well, the bonus though, um, the bonus yeah. though is that whether or not you can deal with it, you just, you just fucking you do just deal do. with it, right? Like you, and you, you grow you those do. muscles, right? Like it forces you to be that person. Then you go, oh, these, this, uh, these other things are not actually, I can, if I can do that, I can do this. And, and like, like time management and, and that kind of stuff, like all that, it's, it's just, you just sort of you just do it, right? And then you have that skill set, right? Suddenly there. It's, and well, same as I, anything, it's a muscle, right? Like you, you, your brain grows in that way. In the same way that your your body does when you're forced to do something uh, very very difficult physically, and you go, oh, actually, I can do that. Well, that that makes all these other things easier, right? Like the first time you walked into a class, Sersky, did you like, did you know everything the first day? Of course not, right? You made mistakes along the way. But thankfully, no one's lives right, but we were, were we were trained. But you you figure it out, right? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, to be fair uh, to people who actually have jobs that who have who have lives on the line, being an English teacher, no one dies. No one. There's no consequence. There's no child running. Even I could say the stupidest thing in class, and no one will ever be really. If, who, how much do you remember from your first year teacher? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I for all intents and purposes. I'm basically useless. I am just a facilitator and a time time occupier uh, for children, uh, especially at university, until they graduate. 
Uh, and I mean, it's just a credit check. Isn't done. that what being a parent and I know is? That it sounds terrible. Really? The time <laughs> off the fire until they graduate? And then just, Bye. Well. Get out. See you later. Done. <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. I would, I, not, <laughs> well, okay, but Mr. Furman, did you read any books about parenting before, uh, before yeah, little, I do. the little baby yeah, and I still came do. along? Yeah, for sure. Because there's, because uh, like anything, there's philosophical approaches to it, right? Like, it's like, it's like it, it's very creative in that way. Like you, you can use your instinct, but your instinct is influenced by what you have experienced and know. It's not a point of view, right? Like, and so, like, there's, there's millions of different ways to to, to 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 work with a child. And sometimes you're just acting on your instinct, and you're acting on how you were raised. You're acting on what annoys you or what you think is valuable. And then to get some sense of like, well, no, here's what children actually need. Doesn't matter what I need or what I think they need. Like people who know what they're talking about say, well, this is actually what this is. Cause I mean, what do I know about like the way the brain develops, right? Like, what do I know about what I'm supposed to expect him to be able to do? And then, you know, and then just like, well, he'll, he'll grow out of that. Or that's a serious problem. You need to address that. Being able to parse through those things. Yeah. I, I did read a little bit and I still do sometimes when I'm like, he's freaking out about this and I don't understand why is he just being annoying or is there actually something here that he needs me and he needs me to be different in some way. Right. And like there are, there, there are people that have advice and I will accept it because it is, it is tricky in the moment to know. So yeah. Oh, for sure. I did. There's a good book called uh, um, positive discipline that I really like about uh, um, like, like consequences of discipline and stuff that I found to be really valuable um, because otherwise you're just disciplining based on what pisses you off and what doesn't. Right. And that's not actually useful. Right. Really? Why not? So you mean I can't rear a child just based on like, well, that doesn't make me happy. So stop. Doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't. Oh, okay. Um, any other books you'd recommend? Because I mean, there are parents who actually listen to this podcast. Parenting That's surprising books. as it um, is. That's the one I like best. Uh, there's bits and pieces from other things uh, and stuff. And I think that, to be honest, I think uh, as much as it is about figuring out what children are like, it's also about finding the balance between what is going to keep you sane because you being uh, a sane parent is going to make you better at listening to your child and dealing with your child and, and being empathetic with your child when you're creating a space that makes you comfortable, right? Like there, you can read things and say, Oh, you have, you, you shouldn't go back to work. You should stay with them for this amount of time or like all of these different kind of things. Here's how you get them to go to sleep. Here's how you, you know, leave them in the crib and let them cry. No, go get them and hug them and stay with them and, and hold on to them all the time. There's all these different ways of looking at it. But I think what it boils down to is what's going to make you feel best as a parent um, within obviously some boundaries, but like what, what's the best choice that's going to keep you sane and keep you happy and make your relationship with your child the best. And then use that as a barometer in, in a lot of cases anyway. But I think the parent, the positive discipline one was the one that kind of like was broad enough to encompass a lot of different ways of thinking about it. So what, how do you keep sane as a parent then? Cause I hear this all the time from the mothers. I mean, they're all just, and I have students who have children. They're like, don't want I don't have children they're telling me don't have children you don't have them so don't have them <laughs> there's bad nights um and there's bad days right like i mean like anything right because you you get you're under a lot of pressure right but when the pressure starts to release uh you you see it and it's 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 i i think it's just like anything hard you know anything hard you you don't want to do it part of the time right uh because it's hard and, and the moving, the moving through that and the seeing the, res, the results and, and, and the fact is that you like, 
you, you look at the thing and you go, oh, well, yeah, we're connected forever. Like it just, it, it doesn't, you don't need to push yourself to, to be good at it because it just, you, you, you just have to be, right? Like you just, you just are, there's a way in which it's also just very simple, right? You just, you just respond and you just like, you know, give yourself over to it in a way. So you just have to breathe. Yeah, that's that right. You breathe, you think, you forgive yourself for making mistakes, and you uh, and you and you and when you see them do stuff and you see them like succeed in ways and you see them like grow and do stuff without you, you give yourself the fucking credit you deserve for for those things <laughs> and connect yourself. I up. taught you that. Yeah, and maybe they won't <laughs> tell you that back, but they know it. No, of course not. How much? How much credit do we give our parents for any of the stuff that we have done? Yeah. Like, I, I think back to um, even with my my parents, and I go, they didn't teach me how to travel. They didn't. I mean, <laughs> I guess they put me in a situation where I learned languages, um, right? So that helped me later in life. But they didn't teach me how to drum, although they did encourage the the musical ability. So they yeah. they provided that sort of area, uh, yeah. For, like, that space to well, work what they in, did right? what they did Which, is they gave you the tools to be able to do those things right like they gave you oh you sound like a father they gave you the tools to do those that's things. right you do whatever that's, you want you because you because you understand that you can and you know how to solve problems right and you know how to take risks calculated risks and push through and go for them right i hope so yeah, yeah. and so then with that are you encouraging your child to have music because steve i know you encourage um uh your your nephew um musically all the time and he's actually pretty good he's very good with what he does he's very i'm good. i'm le letting him letting him lead a little bit in terms of like what he's interested in artistically like i put him in he was in piano lessons last year and he just hated it and i don't think i don't think it was a good match with the teacher so i kind of put that off but we're gonna i'm we're gonna move uh soon and i think i'm gonna try to get my parents piano and then when we have a piano i think i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna like say okay you gotta you gotta you gotta do this you gotta do this for a while like you you gotta get your basic understanding of, of how to do this i think it's it's as important as you know learning how to you know learning how to do anything learning how to cook learning how to draw like like these you need these fundamental you need to be able to express yourself creatively in an abstract way to a point and then once you're too old for me to force you to do stuff you can do whatever you want but i think it's an i do think it's an important part of somebody's education i mean a hundred years ago like either you didn't go to school at all or you went to school and you learned you know how to play the piano and latin and all this stuff like you know languages and, and things like your education was much more rounder if you had one at all right and i think i think it's important so yeah i'm gonna push him a little bit into that but he really likes drawing that's his thing right now drawing oh, zombies that's yeah good. <laughs> zombies why zombies the the one of the mothers i just talked to um uh she's like yeah my son loves guns and tanks and shooting people I'm like okay yeah. interesting oh, yeah. well yeah, yeah he does well, if you love he guns and it. tanks and shooting people you can become the president of the united states well if you never grow up that's just yeah. any come <laughs> on that is just any world leader knows that whatever the army is just a tool just yeah right? and that's exactly that's it. Right. she's giving her children a, the tools of knowing that's how right to that's people. right all you need is a little bit of a loan from your dad yeah. and the tools that you need to become the president of the united states well uh, uh, but an adult's loan comes from the bank so you just go borrow them or credit cards i mean 
Why not? Yeah, you can you can balance transfers zero percent. Yeah, next time I go to the bank to ask for guns. money, I'm definitely going to refer to them as mummy and daddy and see if that helps me get my. They love that. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. How you doing? <laughs> what would happen? What, but if you actually did, if you walked into the bank, and be like, hi, hi, mom. Like, if it's a woman, obviously, or you can't even say that anymore because if it's a guy, you're like, hi, mom. You have, you got to be, you know, neutral. Uh, but you walk in there, like, hi, mom, hi, dad, whatever. Uh, so can I have some money? What, what do you think the bank teller's response? They'd would push be? the button under the desk, and you would be <laughs> You're gone. Get out of here. <laughs> He's one of those guys. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Uh, well, as I see that the, our, our meeting has actually been extended, they say. I'm trying to send you another file here, but it's not letting We got do extended. It. Um, um, yeah, that's what it's saying. There you go. <clears throat> there, so the screenshot says that we have more time. Yay. And this is the beauty of free stuff, you know, that um, uh, we, can tra- we can chat across borders like yeah. this very, very uh, easily for free. Although... You know, we have to listen to the man because, you know, there's a time restriction just because we're not paying for something. What? All of a sudden, we can't just use it as much as we want. What the hell? What the hell? You can't tell we me what to it. do. We deserve it. Yes, they can. Capitalism, man. <laughs> yes, they can. Amazing. <clears throat> so what are you guys drinking over there? I got coffee. I have a, a Robusta and Luckin coffee blend in my Tim Hortons Canada cup. Oh, hey. Hey. I have uh, Dominion City 1971 Pale Ale. Why is it 1971? Uh, <clears throat> oh, it says in the back. Um, 1971 is a citrusy pale ale named in honor of the We Demand protests, the first ever public demonstration for LGBTQ uh, plus rights in Canadian history. A portion of the proceeds support children and youth from LGBTQ families through the Ten Oaks Project. I just bought it from the bottle shop that... Uh, I went to for dinner today because it looked uh, um, delightful, and the bartender said it was good. Wow. You went to the bottle shop for dinner. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it, it, it is a, a it is a pub but, uh, that has uh, um, delicious veggie burgers and a bottle shop attached to it. Right. <laughs> Mr. Barry, what are you drinking? You got Jameson over uh, there. I've got the bottle of Jameson triple distilled Irish whiskey. This was the uh, bottle of whiskey that I drank in my mom's wake. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if we can see how much is left. Uh, That's the first time I have opened it since my mom's wake. So that was mostly taken care of at mom's wake. Now, you said triple distilled. Is that different from regular Jameson? Uh, I think regular Jameson is only single distilled. Like the stuff you can get for the cheap price. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the triple distilled is only available from the Jameson distillery in Dublin. So this actually came so back from Ireland last time my mom went. Oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty yeah. crazy. That's yeah. neat. So I figured it was appropriate. It goes down very smooth. And does not give you a horrible hangover <laughs> sure the day so. after. So I've learned the hard way. You know, and that's uh, one of the things that I've learned in growing up. Uh, and the the amount of traveling and drinking I've done. And I try not to drink too much anymore. It's worth paying for quality alcohol or quality uh, bottles because they don't give you as much of a hangover the next day. It has to do with the preservatives that they use, um, like the, the phosphates and the sulfites that they use. Sure, sulfites. Yeah. The, I will the, never forget one of the... That shit will fuck you up. One of the greatest life lessons I ever learned from Mr. F. 
Ooh. was to um, never drink vodka out of a plastic bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> the Prince of Russia vodka that you guys I, uh, that we were drinking? I remember that one it. Weekend? I I only remember it through uh, through <laughs> through remembering <laughs> seeing the bottle. I can tell you right now that I don't remember that you were there. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember that I sat down and was talking to some guy who was taking a philosophy class and wanted to do the thing that people who take philosophy classes do, which is talk to you uh, a lot. And he was talking <laughs> oh, to me lame. and he was upsetting me. And so I kept, I, 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 I continued to drink the vodka and then I stood up and then um, it was, it was morning and I was at work and I was <laughs> not doing so well. So that's all I no, remember. You did not do well on the plastic no. bottle of vodka. No Russian prince. Russian? Oh yes, yeah. Russian prince, oh, not prince that's of Russia. Terrible. No, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, well, yeah, and then what's what's that uh, plastic beer? Uh, Austin. Stone Cold. Austin. There's the Stone Cold beers growers. Is that what it is? Yeah, Stone, Stone Cold. Cold. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's horrible. Uh, terrible beer stuff. in a two-liter oh. bottle. You're not asking for quality. No. Man. <laughs> you're asking for quality. <laughs> uh, and I remember when I was in y- Ukraine. Um, when they had this, they told me not to drink some, uh, one of the glass bottles or something. They're saying it's not fresh. I'm like, what does it matter? Beer is beer. And then I realized later on, I'm like, no, actually there is sort of like a quality control issue with some, especially some bottling plans uh, in in these developing countries um, that, yeah, some beer is just not uh, properly bottled or preserved. So it's it's just terrible. And the closer you can get the beer to um, its brew date, uh, or uh, like at the time that they actually pour it out, it, it, the better it is, which I'd never actually appreciated before. So, mm. But living in Beijing, I'm not going to lie, Beijing has a great craft room. I'm sure Toronto has a, a great craft uh, Oh, yeah, the whole area does, as well. Yeah. Winnipeg does um, too now. It's very strong Winni- in Winnipeg now too. Only recently has Winnipeg yeah. finally caught on to it. Oh, that, why didn't it happen yeah. 15 years ago? Anytime I ever criticize Winnipeg, I have to fully take a step back and go, what did you do about it 15 to 20 years ago? You Nothing. played drums. And that is on me. Well, and but even then, it's like, well, oh, why can't you play that type of music? It's like you're going, ah, what why what was stopping me from doing it 20 years ago? And then yeah. Oh, the and then the philosophical debate goes on in my mind. I'm like, see, this is why you need to spend time. You need to just think and be and flow. Does flowing help? Flowing helps. Sure. Flowing is the thing you gotta do. Yeah. How was the brew scene in uh, Winnipeg uh, there, uh, Mr. Uh, great. There's um, there's a place called um, Nonsuch, which is uh, just over on Pacific, which is just a few blocks from here. I tell you, man, I will have any one of their beers any day. Their oh, stuff is such a good fantastic. name. Yeah, it's a great name, eh? Uh, they make a... Um, well, it's named after one... that boat. Yes. Yeah, after that boat in that museum. Uh, they make a... Um, what is it? A milkshake stout. It is mm. unbelievable. Mm. The first run they did sold out like in two or three days. Like it was just gone. Um, any so anything they they make, I will have. Uh, there's but there's other places. Like there's another place called Barnhammer that's very very popular. I don't like their beer. Nothing against Barnhammer. Just don't <laughs> like it. Sorry, Barnhammer. Well, it sounds like you do have something against Barnhammer <laughs> because you don't like their I beer. Just, I, don't, I don't like the taste. 
uh, but we've yeah, we've got like Barnhammer. Is Little Scrapper still there? Little, well, Little Scrapper is for Gary, who are now owned Go. by Anheuser Busch, so they're not. Oh, they, they don't really count anymore. Oh, they got bought out. Mm-hmm. Fort Gary's owned by Bush. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what about Two Rivers? That was a that was like one of the the big craft. You know, brews I back haven't then, seen a lot of Two Rivers beers around, so I I don't know. I have a feeling they got sucked up in the Fort Gary, but I could be wrong. But I mean, man, Two Rivers were, they were a specialty because they were like the only craft beer around. That is not the case anymore. Like mm. uh, Barnhammer, One Great City, yeah. Trans-Canada Brewing, um, Non-Such, Oxus, like so many good, there's a, Oxus. a awesome. beer store um, over at uh, Grant and Pembina and they just have a wall of local beers. So like, I'll just go in there and pick up like, 12 beers from random local breweries. Oh, wow. Well, thanks. Good. Well, that's finally. I mean, but this is something that sort of happened in like uh, on the west coast of the United States years mm. ago and it sort of spread well, out from there. And I, I mean, it happened in Toronto a lot earlier too. In Beijing, like I, I talk, I, I praise the Beijing beer scene, but it only started 2008, 2009. Oh, yeah. And that's because a couple of expats were here. One guy was from Germany and the other guy's from the United States. And they created two separate breweries. Um, and they sort of jump started the huh. Chinese craft beer scene here in, here in right. Beijing. Um, and then it sort of spread out from there. And then you have all the knockoffs and everything. Well, we've also got a. Try to. They, they, uh, we've got a craft whiskey yeah. distiller and we've got a craft spirit distiller that makes. Um, uh, it's craft whiskey. Yeah. You mean Crown Royal? No, no, it's not <laughs> Crown Royal. That's like... Gimli. That doesn't count in Winnipeg. Uh, it is Gimli. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. No, we have a place called Patent Fifty Nine. They make uh, a rather infamous thing called Purple Gin, and it's very huh. good. Very, very. Well, good. it's always it's always strange to me because Winnipeg is such a craft beer kind of place, like or it should have yeah, been, right? right? Like it's right? like it's such an artsy, musicy, like We're Portland, Portland kind of like is what we are. Very much. Well, yeah. I. I I feel I feel like it's not even Portland oh, yeah? because where's the Chaz? Because, Come on, where's the Chaz? Oh, Chaz is like one it's, block. It's Mondragon, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. We that had the is Chaz now. before but the like, Chaz was a thing. That's right. But yeah. I think like, but, but but seriously, like it's such a it's it's almost it's I wouldn't even say it's like Portland because everybody knows about Portland. It's like like some neighborhood in Philadelphia or like some some place we don't even know that's really cool that nobody you know nobody even goes to in the states, Buffalo or something like that's that's, that's really cool. What's the neighborhood in Philadelphia that's really cool that no one knows? Uh, about? No one knows about it. So. No one knows about it. If you knew about it, can, yeah. If I knew about it, I'd tell you about it. Yeah. People do know about Winnipeg. Every time I mention, uh, if I ever meet Finnish people, Finnish people, and they're like Winnipeg. Oh, Timo Solani. Oh yeah. Like, well, yeah. Sure. And they're like, oh, Winnipeg's in the center of Canada. I'm like, not many people. Oh, know. of course. The, the most do, yeah. bizarre meeting of Winnipeg actually being known was an Indian guy in Indonesia. And he's like, "Hey, are you uh, are you Canadian?" I'm like, "The fuck? Why are you asking if I'm Canadian?" First of all, you didn't ask if I was American. Yeah, so that doesn't make like, sense. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, you asked. If, okay, now now you have a bit of my respect. And he's like, "It's like, oh, where are you from?" I'm like, well, from uh, Winnipeg in the you know century. He's like, "Oh yeah, Winnipeg." Blah blah. And he goes on for three minutes about the thing. I'm like, "All right, so Winnipeg is actually kind of known sometimes, and Winnipeg has become more known lately." You know, 20 years after everything else, but um, it's slowly become a little bit more known, uh, mostly because the Winnipeg Jets were right. Yeah, I mean, and it actually did the, oh, okay. The Americans can practice their geography right. with the, I'm the saying the it has more team. to do with once we expel the riffraff, 
one Ooh, of you get one of you to another continent, Whoa. get the other one out to Ontario. All of a sudden, things start turning around. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> did, did it happen that way? No. I'm not sure. That's hard to argue, man. I let. Well, Steve Fermanuk, when did you leave? Uh, 2008. The first time. I left. I left the day. I the last thing I did in Winnipeg was I uh, hung out at my mom and dad's house and watched the election of Barack Obama in 2008. And then we got on a plane the next day and flew out there. So it was oh, wow. November or whatever in 2008. November 8th or November 14th? Something like that. I was in Chicago at that's Grant right. Park that day. Were you? Obama was yes, that's right. Was I remember. Wow. You I was. Yeah, because uh, that was, well, that was after, like, the first time I was, like, unemployed, no job, no girlfriend, no nothing, anything. And I was like, fuck, I'm getting out of Winnipeg. And that was part of the trip. Um, my buddy took me on. He's like, okay, let's go down to Chicago, a couple days, get out of the city, you know, do whatever. Just before that, I quit the band that I was in. Um, and I was like, I'm done with it. I'm not drumming anymore. I, I quit. I'm done. Yeah. And we went down to Chicago, saw Obama get elected. Um and uh, like I have pictures, and he's like, he's like that big, because <laughs> uh, I had my little cell phone camera at that time, the 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 Sony one, Eric, Sony Ericsson. And it was like this little tiny camera, horrible quality. Um, but then I guess so. I guess I'm, I must have left a month and a half after wow. you, you left in two thousand eight. I left on January first, two thousand nine. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so maybe it was it was us. There was finally yeah. enough space. It, there you go. Was, I was there trying was to be enough space and creatively in, you guys, in the city. <laughs> like it's because we were taking up so much like creative yes. space and energy yes. in the city that we right. moved out of the way so that the next generation could come yeah. up. Right? Like mm -hmm. that's what yes. we had to do. It was our it's gift true. to the city. I mean, there's no other explanation. No, so. there, there can't be another None explanation whatsoever. What is the art scene like now uh, in it's in Winnipeg? Dead. There's nothing. There hasn't been anything since March, man. Like, well, well, yeah. Right? Okay. So aside from the coronavirus lockdown. So, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. Okay, then I'm going to call you out on this. If there's so much potential and greatness going on in Winnipeg, why didn't they go online and start being great yeah. there? Oh, snap. So, I mean, you mentioned my oh, nephew. This podcast right here. Oh, yes. <laughs> I win again. You mentioned my nephew. Um, he actually released his first single, finally, because he wasn't doing as many oh, wow. shows. But he was also he's also just did a show last week. I don't understand mm. how, but he's doing shows. Uh, cool. There was a virtual fringe. Yeah, there was well, a folk fest was online. I think my dad that, was, was watching it and sending it. Yep, virtual folk it. fest. So a lot of them did move online, but, um, you know, all the artistic things are in the same trouble here as they are everybody else, everywhere else, right? Like artistic ventures make money by performing and they can't perform, right? And you can Zoom all you want, but like I'm not paying... Well, I would, but most people aren't going to pay $40 oh. to watch a Zoom show from MTC, right? No. Like, it's not, you yeah, can't that, do theater. That $40 you can't do theater when you're online. Yeah, right? Well, I don't know. When you're paying Hamilton that $40 to well, go to MTC, those. Yeah, you're paying for like production quality and stuff like that. Like, and now with Zoom and modern technology, the costs of production have gone down. Because I remember when we were playing, one of the things that I wanted to do was live stream the show. And you, Mr. Barry, are like, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And back then, it was horribly complicated oh, yeah. to get anything. Like, it, 
you guys didn't deal with video as much as I did, but before you actually had to record it to a physical device and then transfer it in real time and then render it in real time. It, it took forever. Nowadays, it's it's well, so much you're faster. You're still doing the same uh, thing. It, and bandwidth isn't even Like You're still doing that, but now the process is... The, the processors and everything caught up to make that near instantaneous. Sure. Right. And the software just does it. And also how they, they write, how they write the files. Mm-hmm. Like, cause with, when they had the tape, you can only yep. read the tape in one direction, but with the modern hard drives, they, they scramble all over the place and they like take the, it's like a transportation mm-hmm. device. Beep, 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 mm-hmm. beep, 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 beep. Basically. So, and especially with the S- SSDs and not as the an discs. IT person, I would like to argue well, that. Spinning but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> Such a beautiful image though. Let him have it. All right, all right, all right. The point, the, the but they write files differently to yeah. the computer than they did from a, a tape that you had to read read from. However, the tape reels went left to right. I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, it's dead technology now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, but uh, be that as we, but before, I mean, how how was? I think one of the things that sort of brought us um, closer together. Because uh, a lot of things that we took part of in the arts community was the Fringe Festival. How how was the Fringe Festival this year in, in Winnipeg? I didn't. Online? I didn't go. I didn't see I didn't it. Go. I, didn't. I didn't watch. Oh, oh uh, Steve. For no, I, I I hate watching theater online. I I don't like it's. That's not what it is. <laughs> that's not what it's for. Like it's. Uh, I if you if you want me to start, I'll start. Like the the whole thing about go for about it. a piece of theater. What makes it different than anything else is that it's happening in the room, right? It's like if you've ever you know you know when you're in a room and there's a, and you're like hanging out with your friends and there are a couple and they're fighting and the room feels like right or like something weird happens or you get or something happens in public and the energy changes. Like the energy of the room affects you, right? And the, 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 uh, the, uh, the piece of art that theater is, is creating experiences that are real, that are happening, and you're inside of them. You're part of that experience. Filming it just turns it into kind of a shitty movie, which, like, is, which is a different art form, right? They're similar in a lot of ways, but they're different. A film is a record of something that already happened. And so you're more interested in the narrative. You're more interested in, 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 the, in the ways that the shots manipulate you. But you're being manipulated in a way like that you are like with a novel. Whereas in theater, you're like, it act, literally anything could actually happen, right? And if the actors are doing their job, they're kind of flying on that high wire where they actually are improvising. But the lines just keep popping into their heads and they just say them. But they're saying them in the moment. And it has that, that crackling magic to it. And, I mean, something like Hamilton is, the ex- is an exception, right? And it's an exception that proves a rule yeah. because it's so, so unique in that way that nobody is actually watching staged performances of, of things, right? And you, you couldn't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I you know, made my whole life about theater and talking about theater and watching theater. And I watched a few of them. And it's kind of an interesting novelty, but I, there's no way I'd be spending every Friday night watching like online Stratford performances or things like that. It just doesn't have the same magic to it, right? I'd rather watch something that was made to be watched on a screen, you know? So I think that you really have to, huh. when it's theater, like it, we just have to wait for it to wait for it to come back or figure out a new way to do it. I mean, people are, they're social distancing, you know, you sit in your little pod and then the other people are over in their pod and they'll come back. Oh, I think everything will come back. I think everything's going to be fine. Yeah, the year. I'm fine. Like, yeah. I think everything's going to be great. Like, this isn't, oh, you know, God, there's been... Don't say that. That's what they said six months ago. And no. Like, look at us no, now. No, the nut job no said way. that the, six months ago. All of a sudden, ago. there's going to be a second wave. The nut job said that six there's months gonna ago. going to be more, more trouble. Well, we understand it better than be something than, else than next then. year. The Spanish flu will come back. Yeah, yeah there's going to be coronavirus redux. Redux? Redo? 
Re- like part two. I'm worried about the pandemic that has like a 20% mortality rate. That's the one that scares me. And this is not it. Like this is not the be all end all virus that epidemiologists are worried about. This is a, this is, it's a bad flu. Uh, yeah. well, Compared we, we know to, how to, but you're not, the, you know, you can't say that though, because that means that want. you're not, are you one of those mask wearers? Do you wear a mask, Mr. I'm Barry not, in Winnipeg? You must wear look, a mask. I already go through this with your brother <gasps> on a weekly basis. How dare you? You are canceled. You are canceled. You oh. cancel. I have to cancel. You cancel. Are we, do- cancel, are we doing cancel. this before we even start talking about music? Are we doing this? I thought at least we'd have a Well, minute. we canceled the music. We have to cancel I'll the music. cancel your music. <laughs> Oh, snap. Uh, Mr. Furman, in terms of uh, taking from uh, theater to screen, uh, it's it's funny that you actually say that it's not possible, or at least it's very difficult to do, because one of the filmmaking books that I read uh, was like, what you if you ever want, uh, for filmmakers, if you ever need or want to prove your um, filmmaking abilities and to like, sort of practice your chops a little bit, walk down the street or find the local theater troupe um, there's two ways to do this. One, you find like a, a play that you can adapt very easily, or two, the easier way is to find a theater troupe that's putting on a performance and say, can I buy the option to, can I give you guys money for an option to make this into a movie based on how it is? And then you take that and you make it into a 90 minute movie mm. and you present that as a, you know, as a movie. So you're not doing an, an exact theater replication, but you're adapting it slightly for the screen as a, an intro filmmaker. Sure. I mean, is that at all possible? Can you see that working? Uh, well, I mean, certainly as an exercise, right? Like I think, I feel like that would really get you down into the vocabulary of what makes a film and, and, and in a way why it's different. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I certainly defer to you on understanding of film history, but I feel like, um, my understanding of it was that like initially a lot of those early films kind of are just like filmed from the one angle, like from the proscenium. And, and then it's somebody like, like Eisenstein or one of these guys who goes, let's go it, let's, let's put it on there and let's look at your face and let's get this angle. And then, and then figuring out how to do a montage and figuring out that you can create your own vocabulary of understanding by showing somebody looking this way and then showing the thing and then going back to their face and you go, Oh, they looked at that thing, right? Like these little bits and pieces that people, didn't have intuitively that they had to build into the language and now suddenly I talk about this with kids all the time when they're they're trying to direct like things on the stage and have to be like you have to be the camera you have to imagine that the camera is still and you're moving actors towards it and in and out and the actors going up and going down because you can't move the camera in but you have to think like you're a camera that can't move and then you have to bring the actors and do the opposite way of, of working it because that's how stage productions are done um, so I, th- I mean, it'd be an interesting exercise, but I think ultimately plays are written to be in one room. Like you're not cutting like scenes every, every two and a half minutes, right? Like they're longer and longer, 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 longer. They're, they're drawing you into something, right? It's just a different, a different medium. I mean, again, it would be a cool exercise, but I don't think it would be something that suddenly, you know, everybody's filming plays and that's the new thing. I think a really good example well, is... Obviously not because it hasn't been no, happening. it hasn't been. I think a really good example is if you look at musicals. Right. Take yeah. Oliver, take Les Mis, take, I don't think there's a really good Phantom to be honest with you. No, there isn't. But you take, um, no, I, well, let's take Oliver. I've seen both, right? I've, I've been in a, in a production of Oliver. It is a very different, yeah, like Steve mentioned before, you are working the emotion of the room in Oliver and helping that create the sense of where you are. But then if you take the movie Oliver, well, they have sets. Right, they have, they have that giant chorus in the original version of Oliver that's like 
300 people you can't make that on a on a stage but if you have 30 people on the stage it feels you get that energy of 300 yeah but in a movie you watch 30 people dancing in the middle of a street in london you're like uh there's a bunch of hobos dancing in the middle of the street of london right you yeah get it's 300 the people then you get that sense visually of what the what the situation's trying to be les mis wasn't that adapted into several it was yeah, and apparently it was spectacular and i never saw it it was fine. Because frankly, it, I have a wonderful memory of the Les Mis I saw, and I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. It's like now, to reverse that from movies to uh, to theater, the one that I remember seeing was Lord of the Rings no. in London. I went to go see it. It only ran for a couple of years, I think, because like the production was astounding. Mm. But the time where they're they're running on the treetops, they actually had the trees moving up and down oh, on the wow. stage. Like this. Oh, with the unlimited you guys money. You not making money on this. Like unlimited money, you can make a pretty good you know, make a decent facsimile, but... Well, it's just a theme park. Like, it's not, yeah, you know... Yeah, yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. It's its own thing, right? But I don't mm-hmm. think that that... I don't think that that's harnessing the magic of theater in the same way either. It's just like, oh, that was cool. How'd they do that? You know, and that's fine. That's that's a that's an You're watching a right? magician. You're watching Cirque yeah. du Soleil. Exactly. You're watching Cirque du Soleil, which is, which is different. Different than sitting down in a room with two actors who are just like like working their magic and drawing you into their, into their life experience. It's just, this is different. But I think that there's something, there's something I saw one more democratic their, about it. The, uh, with Cirque du Soleil, have you guys seen many of their presentations? Cause they just went through bankruptcy actually. Yeah. Okay. How big are the, um, the stages that they use in Canada? Oh, you're right beside Montreal. Have you seen them actually in Montreal? No, no, I, I, uh, I've only seen touring productions actually. Okay. Like I never saw anything because in Vegas like they had a touring production here, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, it came to Beijing a couple of years ago, and I was always because Cirque du Soleil has this big persona, but you walk in and you're like, it's a tent, yeah, and they, there's like a little ring there, and there's like another ring there, and there's some little back, and there's the the musicians area and whatnot. I mean, it's kind of small, kind of tiny, isn't well, it? That's and the we were point. sitting right up front, which I mean, isn't yeah. that the point of Cirque du Soleil? Well, uh, yeah, it's but, supposed I mean, to look small. Right, like they they are very careful about how they stage everything to make it look small. But oh, well, that was pretty big. Well, I'm, I'm. Which one did you see? Oh, I can't remember. Something with a name that I didn't understand in a language I didn't know, and that was about some stuff I didn't understand. It was really cool. Like I, I, I don't mean to to criticize it, but I I don't know what it was or what it was about, and nor should I have. You know, I don't think that's the point of it. Uh, I, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, it, Cirque, Cirque, du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil always had that sort of great aura about it. They have great ideas, mm. but then like to actually sit down and watch it for like as a, as a story. I don't know if I can. Oh, do that. a story. I mean, it's just it's beyond me. I, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I like the ideas and the colors that they use and some of the music, uh, but it is something that. I don't know if how long, how often I could do. You, you you spoke about you know sitting down on a Friday night and watching Stratford plays. I'm like I don't know if I could watch Cirque du Soleil more than once a year, sure. if that even once a year. Is it's the much. kind of thing that I think. But again, is, I haven't been to a live show in a very long. Well, time. yeah, who has? But I think I think it's the kind of thing where its its reach has exceeded its potential audience, you know, like, like we go, Oh, this is the best mm-hmm. thing. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not like mainstream, like sort of generalized stuff that, that anybody can find something into. Like it's challenging, right? Like it like pushes back against you. Like yeah. here's some weird stuff, figure this out. Right. And that's a exhilarating experience for a lot of people, but not, I mean, that doesn't, it's not to everybody's taste. Right. Yeah. 
But it, even in terms of like um, before uh, before this coronavirus thing happened, like I wasn't going to live shows. Uh, I, I haven't been to a, a bar to see a live yeah. show. I there was um, Mr. Barrier. There was a uh, group seven, not seven circles. There was another one that came through Beijing, and it was just like. And to get there was like a 45 minutes journey. And I'm like, I can't do this on a Sunday night. I mean, I just, it's too far. And, it's, and I knew the bar that they're going to play. You got old. Yeah, that, exactly. That. Was it too loud too? I, I don't know. I didn't go. It was nice and quiet at home. So I stayed here. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't play my music loud too often anymore. I don't go out to see shows. And I was thinking about this because like, people are talking about how performers are suffering because of coronavirus. And I'm sitting there going, I would only, the, there's maybe two or three bands that I would pay to go see. Guns N' Roses, absolutely. I would fly to go see them. Metallica, if they came through uh, Beijing again. And then Tool, only because the first time I saw them was after Lateralist was, no, not Lateralist. The the next one, um, like 2007, two, 2007, 2008, around there. Um, 10,000 Days. Okay, so 10,000 Days. That And that'd be because I want to see Danny Carey. Uh, that's it. But mm. I mean, or uh, Dream Theater with uh, Mike Portnoy, if you ever rejoined the band. But Mike Benjini, I'd like to see him as well. But I mean, I just don't go to these live shows. Like, I wouldn't go to a small show anymore. I just, I don't do it. It's because you're old. Is that it, though? Or is there something else? Like, that's uh, it. There's uh, nothing else. You're old. Damn it. There's live shows, people love them. You're old. <laughs> that's all it is. I mean, what are you, 38? Often... Are you 38? Uh, roughly, yeah, somewhere around there. Roughly 38? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you're, you're pretty much with... on the button right now. It was your birthday yesterday. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you're 38 or you're 39? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember either. It's old age as well. Like, oh, uh, that's hard. Uh, well, oh, you're he doesn't want to the... say on camera. He's still in the space, though, where he thinks that he might not be getting old. And then all you need <laughs> to do still, is turn 40 and then you go, oh, hide from 40. I'm 40. I'm old. It's just like yeah. you, can't, you can't escape from it. Well, fuck you both. It's, that's all. That's all. There's a reason. We're speaking to you from the future with years of, of wisdom. But, so okay, right. so you guys Listen are both 40. We're like that hard drive that magically teleports back and forth. And we're telling you from the future. Mm-hmm. Well, as, an, uh, as a, uh, an aged ageist, uh, I can tell you that's uh, not right. So, uh, <laughs> Aged ageist. That's right. As I, uh, oh. And I'm younger. But okay, so then if you you turn you're saying that turning 40 is like, "Oh my god, I'm so old." I don't feel like I'm approaching 40 at all. Like I am in probably better shape. Nobody ever my, does. Other no. than my hip that could, you know, use a little bit more work. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than that, other I'm, than my hip, I'm in great than my shape. Hip. Yeah. Does it And the fact that I never go out with the rain's coming? Yeah. No, not anymore. Can we tell the weather by your uh, aches and? Mm-hmm. No, that's my shoulder that so, aches when the brain's coming. Yeah, yeah. His hips bothers him. He never goes out anymore, and he wants to talk to people about children. Yeah, he's not old. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse, he he made a podcast. You know, just like everybody else. That's yeah. right. Oh. Now he just makes podcasts. Well, but to be fair, podcasts of the future. The whole podcast. Like podcasts thing. are the new toy train setups. I, uh, new I co- started toy a train blog. I started a blog when everybody else was starting blogs 10 years ago. Mm. Mine's still going. Mm-hmm. Other people's have died. So I just kind of figured the podcast was exactly like the uh, blog, except it's just me yakking. And I, I think I don't sound as, as surly as uh, as I do on my blog, because my blog, I can get pretty surly in some of my my uh, 
We can see you smile. We can see the twinkle in your eyes. Twinkle in my eyes. The whimsy. I mean, if people want yeah. Surly Steve Sersky, they just have to put a couple of beers in you. I'll get the Surly Steve Sersky real quick. Mm. We're getting um, early morning coffee, Steve Sersky. Yeah, you know, exactly. This is the good Steve Sersky. Actually, want to hear Surly Steve Sersky talk about work. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm studying Chinese so much is because what was happening You're was in that China? I, I, that that's one. But the other part was that I would go <laughs> during the, the breaks. I would go to the break room, and then all we would do is bitch about work. And just talk about just mm. complete shit. And I was like, I can't do this. No, 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 no. And yes, I am in China, so my I made the choice. If I'm going to be in this country, I am not going to be one of those expats that leaves in 15, 20 years or whatever, even six years, and not know the language. It's that's good. So that's awesome. I'm like that. That's it. I'm going to spend my time studying Chinese. So like during breaks, sure. I don't go there, and I, I find it even that one minute that I'm in that break room. It's like complain, complain. Oh my god, it's uh, work is so terrible. Can you believe they're asking us to do stuff? What the hell's wrong with the <laughs> right, boss? Yeah. You know, right? It, even though it's that's why we're here. That's what we're paid for. But yeah, so that's why I'm studying Chinese so much is because I want to make use of my time. Um, and there was another guy I uh, had him on my podcast a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago already. Steve Black, and he's a singer, guitar, singer songwriter, and he would bring his guitar. And during breaks, he's writing songs. And like at night, he was going out to these bars and playing shows. I I don't know how he did it, but he he had a guitar. And as a drummer, I didn't know how I could bring a drum set around with <laughs> That's me. That's a little different, yeah. Uh, traveling through um, the uh, you know the, the different places that we go to and whatnot. I did think about playing yeah. on the iPad. Drum machine. You, okay. Drum machine, man. You want to talk iPad. about yeah, there you old? Go. You want to talk about old? You want to talk about cheesy? Oh, I can't. There you go. That was pretty damn good. That was beautiful. There you go. That's... Why, where was that 15 years ago? Well, I've been working on it for 15 years. I, I mean, it's taken <laughs> this long to get that bass drop. I mean, that, of course. I mean, it's one of those things that you got to practice, practice, practice. Oh, Steve Furman, you uh, left uh, us. <laughs> a friend of mine uses a, um, I, don't, I don't know what it is. It's a sequencer. Like, and the thing's like, yay big, yay big. Puts it in the backpack. All you need is a couple patch cables, and boom, you're good to go. Everything's just pre-programmed in there. You can drum on that sucker. Yeah, they also cost money, and it's kind of like, do I want to sink more money into this? Uh, I have an I'm iPad that Reggie I can Watts, use, man. Um, and I have Logic Pro. I mean, I don't need any more technology. I need to use the stuff I have. Like even the cell on cell phones, you can use it for just so many things. I like the idea of beatboxing. Um, even though I see some of these guys on YouTube and they're fantastic, like they're just phenomenal um, voice manipulators. Uh, but Dude, watch uh, Reggie Watts, and you will never need to watch another beatboxer again. Well, that's terrible because that means that there's nothing for me to do if I, if I watch that. Watch some Reggie Watts; it'll <laughs> okay. blow your mind. Your Reggie mind will Watt. fall out of your ears. Well, I hope so. Not well. It can't. It can't again. It already did once. It's that, and that's uh, pretty much over. Uh, Reggie Watts, two G's. Two T's? I think so. Reggie Watts. Something like that. One second. I'm just going to change this up here. GGTT. There we go. Uh, there's a great TED Talk, actually, that he does. That, that one's very good. 
Oh, no, it's just you, Mr. Beria. Oh, oh, surprise. Wearing your Sierra's Tears shirt that you gave away. Oh, I had to put another shirt on. Yep, I had to go digging for this. I had to go digging pretty deep into the into the t-shirt drawer. I'm surprised you didn't give it away. <clears throat> my Sears Tears my Sears Tears shirt is still in Winnipeg. I have a couple. Mr. Fermanyuk, do you still have any Sears Tears shirts? Uh my dad does. My dad took all of those. I I think I had a hundred, and my dad. They were in the basement, and after I moved out, my dad would just like, like not wash them, but just put on a new Sierra's Tears T-shirt every time, and just like put another one on. That's awesome. Good. So he went through. It took him about yeah, help you see that he's got a few. Yeah, they're around somewhere. Good. They're collectors' items. They are Mm -hmm. collectors' items. Oh, refilling the coffee. How many beers have you guys had? How many drinks have you are you at right now? You're on to water. That's on the. That's dad-ish right there, drinking water. Absolutely. I got. I was up at six this morning, man, and I got to. Uh, I got to get up tomorrow and uh, figure out how to teach uh, online for the rest of the week. I'm plowing through. I have to play Crusader Kings till I pass out at my desk. Crusader mm. Kings. What's that? Uh, it's a video game. I'm not going to get into it. Like, there are much more people who are much better at it than I am who can tell very fantastic stories about it. I'm not one of them. It's not worth it. Is it is it that memorable that you can tell stories about these? It's, a, it's like Civ on crack. Oh, and civilization is crack. Yeah. So this is like crack cocaine. Ooh, I will not Fentanyl. ever. I don't play games anymore. You want to talk about getting old? That's it. I'm done. I can't. Even SimCity build it. I can't play it anymore. I'm just like, eh, it's just, I can't do it. It's not worth my time anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do real things. Yeah, yeah like make podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking to the echo chamber, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's got to be productive. You don't want to be... Oh, yeah. I, I want to be productive. I, I hope that people do find this uh, podcast useful, uh, at least some of the things that I, I say. And I mean, even... I'm certainly enjoying it. Chit-chatting and learning things. Hey, I'm asking you about being a father, but that's because there's a, people our age, a lot of them are fathers. <laughs> a lot of them are parents. Oh, so, uh, it, and, you know, we, we did agree to um, get together today to talk about all the music that we had made uh, many years ago. Um, and uh, I, I'm looking at the, the stuff that we made. I have four. Did you guys download all of these uh, albums here? I've got I think the Bandcamp page ready to go. Okay, uh, so we got what? We got the Jelly Bean single, we got Life After, and then we've got Serious Tears Live, January 10th, 2003, and then Live, I'm not May on 10th, any of those. 2003. I'm not you, on any of those live two. ones. You're on the first two. I'm not on the live ones, no. I don't know. You're on the first two, and two of your songs are on Life After. Um, the other oh, two, yeah. yeah, those are the live ones. But you were there for the, yeah, you released the album. I remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah so, well, I'm there um, for that one in Jelly Bean, yeah, but the other two I wasn't. You were there for the important stuff. And then after that... I mean, the, you kind of were because we didn't really write much with the other guy. Yeah. And if oh, I remember correctly, the one thing we did really write with him, I basically wrote the baseline for him. So as far as I'm concerned, you are there. Right. The John Lennon move. And then he, yeah. then he sends us threatening messages over Facebook after. Like, okay, right. Wow. Oh. 
But um, so we have four downloads and everybody, I will put these uh, links on the show notes to this episode, uh, which is episode 16 of my podcast, 16th installation. Uh, Yeah, we'll see if it's still going in 10 years time, Mr. Old Man. What will be it in 10 years time? What do you think will be? There's blogs 10 years ago, podcasts today. What's what's in 10 years? Podcasts. What what casts? Hollow hollow casts where you can watch them holographically in front of you. Oh Uh, man! I think in ten years people will have conversations and read newspapers. (laughs) (laughs) Full cycle, full cycle. Oh man! Absolutely. Did you try this thing? It's called a newspaper. Look at you can't get distracted Mm. by anything, and no one's screaming or shouting at you when you're like trying. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, and you can't scroll. It was just the news. Open it. Yeah. And it's still yeah, mostly but the news relevant. Is all fake, man. You're yeah. just falling in for their bias. You know, and I was reading the Chinese newspaper the other day, and I, I looked at this going, this, we know what this is. And in Russia, it'd be the same. But in the United States, it's no different. I can't justify reading the news for anything other than learning a language. That's it. Because the, the vocabulary that they use in it, it's repetitive enough that you can learn those words. So you can pick up a newspaper like once a month, maybe once every couple of months, and read it, and then learn like a certain mm. amount of vocabulary, and then move on. You don't. It's mm. other than that, newspapers are pr- practically useless. Uh, but let's see. We have four recordings. Um, you guys knew each other for quite a while uh, before we met. All three of us got together. Uh, now we when talked we about grade grade six. Grade six. Yeah. Madam Berthelais. That's grade seven. We were, I was, I was in Dean Wright's class in grade six. Oh, right. Right. I was in uh, Mr. Muir Meredith's. Yeah. That is a wild grade six. And you're now all in your forties, which means. Do you want a, do you want a great story? I'll give you a great story. 30 years ago. Uh For the podcast. I remember going into grade seven. So we were in the same classroom. We were at the back of the class. You sat behind me. I, did, remember I remember having, there was a weekend where I had to choose between buying the new Metallica album or the new Bon Jovi album. <laughs> ah! This man harassed me to no end that I had no idea what I was talking about and Bon Jovi was garbage and I should sure as shit better buy that Metallica album. And so what did you buy? <laughs> I bought them both. <laughs> yes. Which Metallica album was that? Uh, Kill 'em All. That was well, that's 1992, oh. isn't it? I know. Yeah, I was kind of black. making fun of your age, but uh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm nice, saying nice I'm joke there. Saying. Nice, nice. Black album. Ah, uh, I remember I when still, that came. Oh, out. and yes. I came across. I was walking through Co-op Foods. This was like three weeks ago, and you know what song came on and made me think of you, Mr. Fermanuke? What's that? After the Rain by Nelson. <laughs> this man was <laughs> relentless on me making fun of this song. After the well, Rain by wow. Nelson. And in retrospect, he was justified 100%. You know, a lot of songs from that time period have come back and we're recognizing them as classics, right? Like, can't that is not one of them. In, in Africa and stuff. Yeah, that's never, ever, ever going to have a resurgence. Nelson no. is, is done. Yeah, I'm very surprised if anyone listening to this knows who that is. I was actually surprised that I heard it in a Save on Foods. I'm like, someone yeah. really dug deep on that one or in a co-op. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So wait a minute. You meant grade six. You weren't buying the Metallica mm-hmm. album when you were in grade six, were you? Grade I had a Metallica album in grade six. I bought it uh, when it was new as a birthday present for my dad. Which one did I you buy? I had the tape. Like them in uh, in summer ninety one because I was because my dad had a Guns N' Roses tape and he that we used to listen to together and User Illusion was supposed to come out but it didn't uh, it was delayed I, or something or it was coming soon and I thought it would be there Guns N' Roses but, thing like, delayed no. yeah but they yeah. they hadn't um, but, set that so reputation just yet. One anyway yeah well. did you guys but, go to that uh, so tour uh, the the Metallica um, did they, they toured with GNR as well that year uh, that yeah they didn't 92. go to Winnipeg though. Oh, snap. I know. Metallica I saw GNR in 92, though. Yeah. Was that 92? I think so. I think it was 92. Yeah. When uh, when I went to see Metallica, because I think it was. Uh, or sorry, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I think it was 92. In hmm. January, I think. Yeah, Guns you had the Roses. guy pass out next to you. Oh, yeah. The guy passed out next to you. Why yeah. was he passed Oh, because he's drunk, obviously. I mean, and that he was at a Guns N' Roses concert. Yeah. yeah. And I was 12 years old with my dad. But uh, wondering why the ladies didn't have any shirts on while they were serving Axl Rose drinks on the stage. Funny, funny. When I saw Guns N' Roses 2017 at the stadium, I was mm-hmm. sitting beside a, a dad and his 14 year old daughter. I'm like, do you know who these people are? And she's like, no idea. My dad <laughs> likes them. I'm like, but these guys are famous. And she's like, I'm going to switch spots with my dad now. Guns N' Roses right. is the only band that I have seen on three different continents. Two different wow. continents. Two continents, sorry, because, uh, yeah, uh, many different cities. Winnipeg, uh, Seoul, South Korea, and Hong Kong. And I, I want to go to Taiwan, but I couldn't get them. I couldn't fly there just in time. Uh, but, yeah, it's the, one of the bands that I've seen around the world. No other band I've, uh, I've done that with. Not even Metallica. Metallica. That's awesome. I've only seen in Winnipeg and Montreal. That's awesome. I saw Tori Amos in uh, in the States and in Denmark. That's all I've ever seen to, in two different places. How many bands like that are still going around? I mean, wh- one of the funny things about sitting down with you guys this today and like talking about um, the music, or we're going to talk about sort of the stuff that we've made before, is that th- there aren't too many survivors. I mean, of all the dreams that we had of being big rock stars and you know making it as professional musicians uh which is basically what a rock star is a professional musician of, of, of a kind yeah it how the the history is littered with the bodies of all of the ideas it's it i talked to jake satcher a couple months ago uh, and he used to play in serrated scalpel and they were they are still like some of the the gods of the winnipeg metal scene but even he i mean they play once or twice a year uh and they're all doing other jobs the one other band that is still sort of functional is trouser mouth do you remember those guys yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i, I saw you were posting about trouser mouth yeah i mean i saw them in japan so that they're actually uh, after guns and roses trouser mouth is the only other band that i've seen on multi in multiple locations <laughs> that's the way it should be those are the bands you should be seeing in yeah places. seeing trouser guns and roses and, and metallic is on multiple continents like yeah, they're worldwide recording artists, right? Yeah, you have to be cool. in the right place at the right time. It's you can go see cool. them. But getting to see like this trash bar band on two different continents, that is something to be. Yeah, proud that's of. really something. Yeah. And we we played with them back in the day. I mean, that those yeah. shows when we that. played with them, that was like it was usually at the Royal Albert. And this, actually, this is why I was asking you about how the the music scene is in Winnipeg right now, Mister Barry, because 
like a lot of those bars that we used to play at are gone. Gone. Uh, it's, right. and, but they They're only gone. shut down a few years ago, like five, six years ago. It wasn't well, a long time ago. The Royal Albert's in the process of getting back. Is it? Um, it became Still. Alicia's progy place for a while because Alicia's uh, closed out. Oh no! Oh, wow. Yeah, the one in the North End closed, food? but they reopened at the Albert, but they couldn't keep up with demand. So now they're trying to find out something else oh. to do. So oh, okay. So it's a good thing that they closed that location. They just moved. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were closed because the the family didn't want to do it anymore, and then finally someone came up. Eh, it's a long story. It doesn't really matter. But we they, it's Winnipeg. Matter. We have progies. Uh, for those don't who There's <laughs> don't know, somewhere in Winnipeg. Alicia's yeah. makes some very good Ukrainian food. It's not just progies. They make a lot of different uh, Ukrainian food in, in Winnipeg. Uh, and, uh, and Winnipeg has a, a staunchly proud Ukrainian community. Uh-huh. Like, which, I was even thinking, like, look, if I were to make a band again and I wanted to do stuff similar to what we did, um, I don't even know where we'd play. The Cavern. That's about the only place I can think of. Yeah. Like, mm. the zoo is gone. The Albert's gone. Wellington's is gone. Studs is gone. Wellington's was never there. I mean, that might have been for I you mean, guys because you're, you're slightly older than me and you would have had that that exposure to that bar. But that bar was on and off every time when I was yeah. booking shows. Like, it was but never consistently machine. D Machine. We played again. Wellington's with you, though. But we yeah, did. But it was like, is Wellington's going to be open at that time? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it wasn't oh, like, yeah. oh, let, we're going to Wellington's this weekend. It's like, is it open this weekend? <laughs> it was at that right. point of the evolution of that bar. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a little bit <laughs> there or not there. We never knew. It was yeah. like the Royal Albert was always open. Same with the zoo. The zoo, I don't yeah. We played once, uh, like on a Thursday night or something. I can't remember, but. Do we only yeah. play once? Yeah, there's, there's new venues that have popped up, like the Hems, um, uh, Handsome Daughter. Um, Is that a venue? I just had breakfast there once. Uh, yeah, they, it's a it's a U shape, so they have a venue oh, okay. over on the one side, and then they do. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, West End still around. Well, nephew. yeah, but West End's uh, not. West End is like you're, you're if you're a proper band. I mean, we yeah. played there. Park did, Theater. We played there. Park, Park Theater. Another good one. Park Theater didn't start until 2005, 2006, yeah. uh, until much later. Um, so we yeah. never played that. But that one's a great idea because that did have uh, the whole separate elements of one location. Like you had the stage, you had the bar back there. Uh, the yep. other guy who had a great idea was um, the Academy Coffee Company that we played to a few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but they he just never changed into yeah, a he, chain it's, restaurant. It's not the same guy. It's oh. not the same guy. No. He, he sold out. The chain uh, restaurant. Like now. literally, he closed that bar years ago. But the Park yep. Theater was a great idea because it had all those different elements that they could do sort of multifunctions and it, ga- it had this sort of grunge feel to it, but also it had the uh, the popularity. You weren't afraid to go to it, like the Royal Albert, but you also weren't like, oh, this is like a, a big league show, like the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't yeah. like too off-putting for families either, right? So it was it was very good mid-range. It, it ticked all the boxes. And you could do other stuff boxes. there. They used to do, you could do theater there, like you could do movies, yeah. everything. You know, multi-use so venue, they, yeah. They have, yeah, they have a, they've upgraded the stage quite a bit, but they still do, they do a lot of cult movie nights, or at least they used to. The Park Theater. Yeah, so they'd have like Rocky Horror Picture Show night and The Room night, and um, they actually have a Big Lebowski night, like an annual Big Lebowski night that sells out like minutes after it releases, right? Like everybody shows up in bathrobes and stuff like that. Phantom of the Paradise. Yep, yep. Talking about Winnipeg, I mean. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, so since you guys have known each other for so long, um, and I'm just looking at the track listing here for the Jelly Bean single that we originally put out on cassette uh, many, many, many years ago with the foolish idea that, oh, if we just leave the cassette and lying around, people are going to take it and listen to it. No, they throw it in the garbage. That's what they do. Um, and this was, it was 30, 20 minutes long each side. Two tracks, four tracks total. Jelly Bean single that was studio recorded. Happiness Eats, which is a guitar, so, guitar and bass solo. Uh, Alkanol, um, which was recorded with Adam Wong on drums. Nope. And, Clint Wong. Oh, Clint, Clint Wong, Wong and Adam Brooks. Clint Wong and Adam. Sorry, who? Adam, Adam Brooks. Brooks. Adam Brooks. Okay, so uh, Clint Wong and Adam Brooks, and then the last one is the changing string part jam. Uh, tra- changing string jam part one. That was recorded at the Rogues Gallery, if I remember correctly. Rogues Gallery. And yeah. That was let's see. Yeah, Rogues Gallery on August eighteenth, uh, two thousand. That wow. that song is that track is literally two thousand years uh, two thousand years old that's, twenty that's years old two thousand years old is the is that version of Alcanol is that the one from the the other tape like is it the same one if those guys are on it Steve like yes. is that I because yeah. you guys gave me that tape and I just ripped it from there you ripped okay Clint Wong Adam Brooks yeah that, drum, that, that that's lost to history Clint I Wong's think. basement that's where it was recorded. <laughs> Is yeah. it is it really quiet on the Bandcamp site? Uh, it could be. I don't know. I downloaded them and I'm I'm I can listen to them. Uh, Happiness oh, eats. Am I supposed yeah. to be listening to those now? Happiness eats is very quiet. Uh, Steve, I can try to send it to you. I've, I've been trying to send it to you, but uh, it doesn't want to. Well, work. I got the I got the Bandcamp thing. I can I can do it. Okay. Uh, Happiness eats is, is very. Uh, very quiet in general it doesn't you have to turn up the volume very very loud i thought that was you mr barry being all uh schmimely cleverly it's like i'll put this track really quiet so then when the next no song that starts, was <laughs> i needed to fill space and i wrote a song and i didn't do a lot of work on it no is it time are we playing them um not just uh okay let's uh because okay. this is uh I, stupid me how can I do this? I wonder if I can do that way. I don't know. Uh, is it going to do that? So let's pop that into there. We'll see if that does anything. I don't know. All right. Uh, given the um, the challenges and the fun of international uh, broadcasting, I actually have no idea of how to um, play this so you guys can listen to it and uh, comment it as a... Uh, as a as we go along, but I figured instead of just playing the tracks whole, we'd go through it uh, and comment on whatever's sort of interesting in in the track as we go along. And then if people want to um, uh, download them in full, I will put right. the, uh, the the links to the songs on the show notes for this website. And there, of course, these these songs are all available on Bandcamp for free, or you can donate money to us um, because we're all gainfully employed anyway right now. So. Not that we won't say yes to a couple dollars, but uh, they are available for download on Bandcamp. There's four albums total. Um, and yeah, so let's start with uh, Happiness Eats. I mean, may as well. Yeah, I'd like to save Jelly Bean until we get to the actual. To, on the actual, yeah. I was yeah. going to go by order. So we're going to start with the, uh, the Jelly Bean single. We'll start with track two because Je- the Jelly Bean single itself was actually recorded much later 
in in our history. Uh, after I had joined the band, and that was our first studio uh, recording in general, my first um, studio appearance as well. And that that song was actually done as part of a demo uh, for your re- for your recording class, right there, uh, Mr. Beria. No, my class did serrated. No, my class did like ham. Oh, and then we went and did, uh, we were the recording band for the next class after us. Uh, Right. And that's how uh, we met Burnbox and all those guys. Right. It's amazing to me that we just missed like Pro Tools and stuff. Like, like two years later. But I mean, but like, well, you could do it at home, right? Like suddenly, you know, you didn't have to book out a studio for thousands of dollars to record a thing. You could get it like at least a shitty demo that was half decent, you know, just like two years later, right? yeah just well, the... okay but to be fair with that nowadays it's super cheap to make it but then who why do you want to pay to see someone you know who has oh, yeah, recorded oh, yeah, yeah. on their iphone right but the iphone's able yeah. to do that the the greatest thing and the worst thing about all this technology is that it's made it so much so much more accessible it's so much cheaper so yeah. much easier for everyone to publish there's no excuse not to be publishing even for us uh but at the same time it's like there's so much choice it, it's hard yeah it's hard to stand out there's there i don't know if there can be that same sort of sustained um attraction to one band like there's not going to be a, a popularity well, anymore it, it's it, well it's back to the future it, don't you think like i mean you, you we need people like we like there used to be like djs and like music journalists and stuff to sort of comb through things and go hey this is cool listen to this right like somebody there's so much out there that somebody needs to or we need to have a few people we trust to kind of like help shepherd those things along i feel like maybe yeah and who is it i mean who is it these people uh, is it these teenage influencers on it's instagram an, they don't have any music it's an algorithm taste. that tells you to do here try, you like that try this right like it's it's it's, but a, that's it's not an a, ai robot that's not a bad thing though okay so well, to me, well not necessarily no okay here's the thing so to me like because i've started writing again but to me, the, the fact that the democratization of creating music and creating art, like being able to do this off of your iPhone, I think to me, like back when we recorded this stuff, I would be okay with good enough. Now, because there's so much out there, good enough isn't good enough anymore. Hmm. To me, right? Like anybody can do good enough on their iPhone Right. You need to stand out. Like, okay, mock me all you want for what I'm about to say, but the new Taylor Swift album is spectacular. Taylor Swift's a genius. Yes. But Why? what's spectacular so about her, it, she tells beautiful stories. She's a very great storyteller. Yeah. And the reason I love that album, this T-Swift album, is she's recorded it entirely during the, the lockdown. At oh, home, you're, yeah. Right? Like the one like with, the, did, with the national and stuff? Like, like the, that recent one, folk yes, tales or yes, whatever it's yes, called. Yes. Yeah, folk tales. She's recorded all of this at home, produced it at home, done all the mastering all herself at home. I mean, with help from people that she pays, obviously, because she has those people at her disposal. But, but it's a spectacularly done album. Like it is. It sounds like something that was overly produced from five years ago, and this is something that she's done herself at home during a lockdown right Uh, she she has privileges that most other artists don't have but i don't care what kind of funds 
and privilege you have if you can't write a good song you can't write a good song it's right? absolutely true yeah um so yeah good enough isn't good enough anymore like it's one of the reasons why i've had a roadblock when my music is that when i ma- released the first three or four tracks that i put up on my Bandcamp, it was good enough to say i've made these and i'm back in it and i'm doing it but that's not good enough for me anymore right now i want the tracks that i make and release to actually give me some kind of feeling before I release them. And I don't get that from what I'm writing. I get it from what I listen to, but I don't get it from what I'm writing. And that's, that's a bridge I haven't figured out how to cross yet. And it's, it's frustrating. Uh. It's fucking frustrating. Cause I want to cross that bridge. I, for all of that, I would say, but it's expected that you're releasing music that means something and but my my idea has always been it shouldn't have to be that i have to get there it's that here's all the stuff i've been working on this is stuff i'm finally willing to release because i have time to sit down and make it sound good enough so i don't have to think about this anymore part of the part of the stuff that i release is like i don't want to think about this like whenever i press publish on a blog post yeah. it's like i'm done yeah. i can't think about this anymore mm-hmm. i'm not proofreading I- i'm not fact checking anymore if they hate me for it great go, go ahead don't care good enough goodbye well, Click. well that's the artistic process right like you do yeah. the thing and then you're done and then you move on right like you if you keep polishing the same like a little stone to try to make it into a diamond like that's not that's not going to work right. you just keep going right. you just keep going you just keep going you know yeah, but there's a point too where you say you, you cut your losses, right? Like I've worked on this song for two weeks and I am not finding the thing in this song that is making me believe it can elevate. So it's saying, you know what? This idea isn't going to do it. And for, maybe, you know what? Maybe some of the ideas I have, I could give to someone else and they could say this idea is beautiful and wonderful and they can take that it. That is, me, it's not hurting yes, me, right? The, and I, I don't know if you've seen this uh, post that I've retweeted several times. Uh, James Altucher went on about this. You know, if you want to be an I- idea, whenever you, if you've ever lost a job or anything like that, or if you ever stuck in a rut, the one thing that you should do is write down 10 ideas every day and just do it. And when you, once you have those ideas down, you give them away. And this, in terms of music, I don't know why you haven't done this yet, Mr. Beria. I mean, if you're so stuck in a rut, just print the 10, 10 ideas that you have and then let other people play around with them. And then that way you're, you're getting, you're, you know, you have that cathartic release and whatever, but you're publishing. You just, 10 ideas, go, go. And I've done it for drumming as well. Um, part of like during this, this quarantine, I was posting workouts. That was part of the idea. Just 10 ideas for workouts. Go, that's it. And just get it out there so you're not thinking about it anymore and that you're able to move on to the next thing. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint an example here. Today, one of my coworkers, who I know is going to listen to this podcast, so hi, Mike, he was asking me for some new music, um, some new stuff to listen to. I just introduced him to, God, to uh, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, which is, there's, there's no way. There's no way I could ever make anything as good as Godspeed, You Black Emperor myself right because the whole point of godspeed you black emperor is that they are a collective right like that's have a large right yeah they're a nine person collective i'm never gonna make godspeed you black emperor right um so he was asking me other bands i liked and i found a live video of um the band mono from japan doing um a song called halcyon and it's a phenomenal track like the recorded version is beautiful there's a great version they do with an orchestra that's even better. 
but I found this live track and it was just the four of them. And it's got this beautiful beginning, um, a lot of reverb, a lot of post-rock ambient feel to it. And then there's this one point in the song at about five minutes in where there's, it's the equivalent of an EDM drop, right? There's just this mm-hmm. moment where, and watching it live, watching it live on a YouTube clip, like the moment hits and the lights on the stage blow up and like the guitarist is just like his head is down and he's, he's owning the moment and I'm listening to it going, that's what I can't find. That moment, I can't seem to find a way to find that moment in what I'm doing. Go back to what they were like 20 years ago. Whenever I face that, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, you're fucked. You're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, they have earlier recorded. The, the second album, yeah. I mean, that's like saying, oh, well, look at all the, the, the smartest guy in the room. And then it turns out, you know, he's 40 or 45. You're going, well, he's lived so much more life. There's a lot before that second album was made. And I'm sure you can find it. Uh, but like even Stephen King, when you read some of his earlier works, you're going, this is not, there's nothing really spectacular about this other than it's like, it, it holds you. It's really good. But I mean, some of his earlier stuff is just like normal stories as if you're sitting down to having a conversation just like this. And he's just telling you about this day that, you know, this fog came into town and killed a whole bunch of people. I'm like, oh, whoops, you know, whatever. So what did you do on the weekend sort of thing? Yeah. You can't be too precious with it. I don't think like I, uh, I mean, what I like, what I do is I, I, I teach people how to do this kind of stuff, right? Like that's kind of like, that's what, that's what we do in class, right? Is we, we work on, on creation. A lot, a lot of it is just like figuring, it was working with um, people that are coming from teenagers that are coming from all different sort of points of view and views of themselves and views of how it is to work and what creativity is. And a lot of it is, is just clearing the garbage out of the way, right? Like, okay, get out of your way, get out of your way, get out of your own way, get out of your way, just do the thing. Just no, don't just do the thing. No, 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 stop it. Just do the thing. You know, like just do the thing okay, and it's done. Next thing. Now done. Next thing done next thing like do the the doing is the thing right right not the 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 finishing it's the doing right right but you're talking as well in an in an you're talking about theater which is also a collective right like we're gonna get to this when we talk about jellybean because i i have actually re-listened to the album and i have notes about all these different spots so i was gonna bring this up again but in jellybean there's a moment where we all drop but i don't know if you guys remember this but that wasn't originally in the song no, that was because they're that, Steve, stop playing now. Yeah, okay. well, it and was because go. that drop came from that was the good place to come in back after the bridge when we were practicing. So we would stop dead and come right back into, that would be my cue that we're going into this next part is I would say sure. doomed for failure, but we didn't want to play that whole part. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, actually this drop where I do that doom for failure worked out really good, but that's because mm-hmm. like, I don't want to admit this, but at the same time I have to admit it. I work, I find those moments when I'm working with other people. So trying to do it myself, I can't find those moments. And it's very frustrating to me. Very mm-hmm. frustrating. Like it's I sure. think you're holding up on trying to be a uh, perfectionist. Uh, and I've, I've seen this happen on so many people. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, well, yeah. I can't do this because I can't do that because it's like, no, publish the damn thing. Just print, just press, press print. That's it. Uh, as Mr. Fermi just said, just, you, you got to do it. And the reason uh, with the whole 10 ideas uh, for me, like I just create 10 drum ideas and then I leave them and then I, I might revisit them and build on them later, but I won't sit there for two weeks working on anything anymore. It's just, it's not, yeah, but it's I feel not like worth it. I, 
I feel like a lot of the stuff that I have, because I have a lot of stuff that is sitting in unfinished space, and I think there's only one track that I feel is start publishing. I, I have the, to the individual tracks of the track, right? But they feel like one act plays, and that's the problem: is that they don't have. I I I want them to. I, I feel like they're unfinished. It's not I that I want them to be perfected. It. I think that there's there's you're more there it. that's not there. Right? I think you're over you're overthinking it. You got, how about uh, this? Maybe. Why not for this episode? Um, you go ahead and you pick out one of your acts, and I'll put it on the uh, website. You put just put it up as it is, and we can link it, and then people can uh, troll you on Twitter for it afterwards. Do How's that. that? <laughs> I mean, do that. So you, you talk hey, about overthinking. Just okay, go for it. I'll do it. Okay, I'll give you one. Yeah. No, Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, sure. whoa. Totally was one. that what you were looking for us to do? This whole idea. No. <laughs> You're just setting this up, weren't you? Oh, there you Bravo, Mr. Beria. Yeah. You, you no, are a thespian I, beyond thespian, thespianic uh, abilities. Look at that. Mike, Mike, when he listens to this, he's going to give me shit about this. And he's going to be like, see, that's what it took to finally get you to release something. Like Being on I a am, podcast. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want podcast to give you guys shaming. any of these tracks. But. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Podcast shaming. <laughs> We're going to hashtag it. Podcast, podcast shaming. And hey, make it a thing. Everyone who has anything that been holding back on, hashtag pod, podcast shame and publish it already. Get it out there. Absolutely. Hashtag, hashtag podcast shame. I, uh, you know what? Tag I would, me as well. That's Steven Sierski. I would absolutely love to see other people post anything at all yeah, hell, even dick pics. I don't care. You post, you copy Steve, what is it, at Steven Sersky? Yes. Yeah, I'm Fuzzy Steve with three Zs. You it tag is. both of us. You put that hashtag podcast shaming. I and guarantee you I will, I will give you my ear, my eyes, my whatever, and I will give you whatever you want so he will i can give you uh, an opening especially if you i will give you an pick. i will give you an opening it was right it there it was right there yeah. and that's how people get in trouble when they say things on podcasts uh Furman, you, you're not on twitter are you uh, uh no i'm not if, if you are then your account is not used as if i'm correct, i will right? i yeah, will no, also I'm, promise everyone that i will make sure he has to look at them too to me uh, oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i have go. my ways Oh, well, okay, so then speaking of all these unfinished uh, projects and everything, um, I think it, it might be difficult to play and stop the tracks, but uh, going through Happiness Eats, this sort of guitar uh, bass, is there bass in this song? No. I don't have any idea. I don't remember this at all. And I didn't listen to these before because I started and I was like, I actually, and I was having like reactions and I was like, no, I think this, I think I want to, I want to have them. Like I wanted to 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 remember it through because it's been a while i played i've played them for people like it's not like i yeah. haven't listened to them re, uh too recently but not with this like dissection in mind so i was like and i don't remember that track i haven't listened to i don't have that uh the jelly bean single anymore i don't know where it is i'm trying or, nor do i have a tape you, but it's not letting me send you anymore i don't uh let's try okay. this again um but yeah you can download them as well also okay jelly bean single happiness but i can just here. play it off soundcloud yeah you, oh yeah is it on soundcloud yeah. Why is it, why is it on SoundCloud? Why is it on Sorry, SoundCloud? Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Those things are the same, oh. aren't they? I don't know. I'm right. 40 years old. Don't uh, <laughs> expect me to know stuff. But can I play it on my iPhone that I'm also talking to you on? You, it might interfere with your sound afterwards, though. I'm not sure. Right. I mean, we don't have to put too much time into Happiness Eats. The, the well, am I playing eats, on it? No. 
Okay. Happiness Eats, I recorded, um, I can tell you exactly where. I got a little four-track Foscam um, recorder. I got my hands on one, and I was playing with it with some of my old dad's old surgical cassette tapes. Um, and I was just, um, I mean, at the time, I, I just learned about echo and reverb. And hey, look at this cool stuff I can do with echo and reverb and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I mean, when when did we release Jelly Bean Signal? 2002? Like at the time, it yep. was like, oh yeah, cool, I'm playing with reverb and blah, 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 blah. And so that's this whole intro part. You're just playing around with reverb the entire time. Yeah. Uh. So if you look at what post-rock has become now, right? Like, I was touching on what post-rock has become. You invented it. Yeah, like, in 2002. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I invented post-rock, but... Well, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, you had this idea that became uh, popularly known as post-rock, and it's, it's certainly possible. And I've always thought of myself you know i'm at the forefront the problem is is that you know you can be at the forefront of something but then it's like do you have what it takes to release it and do you have what it takes to put up with the the reaction the negative reaction that you're going to get from it because if you are on the forefront people are going to be like oh no that's that sounds normal that's not what i like to hear but then all of a sudden a year later everyone's listening to it so you might have the greatest idea but it might be very difficult for you to actually sustain it yourself it's it's not an easy process to go through so i'm listening to this uh, this track here well now you can after you know 40 years spinning around the sun and having enough people shit on you and your ideas for that long. It takes a while to develop that thick skin, though. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Furman Yuk, have you, um, are you listening to this track just yet? Because I'm listening to it. I'm I, getting I, my... Uh, I have trying, it playing in the background device, here. So. Um, how many guitar layers are on this track here, Mr. Beria? It was a two-track. It's only two. So uh, how many takes did it take? Just one, two. Or are you just you just are you just making shit just up? Two. Like, is that what it was? I was yeah. just making shit up on the spot. Look at you doing that. Why don't you do that anymore? You know, and that, it, this is exactly what I was. Thank you, Fermanuk. Exactly, two tracks. How long did it take you to write this song? Two tracks, two goes, and it's published. And here, twenty years later, we're talking about it. Twenty-six years, probably, because this is even predates Sears Tears. I mean, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, this is what you need to be doing: publishing. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're totally right. You won't get any argument from me whatsoever. What's changed since then, since you recorded this in your guitar playing? Because this is two two tracks, uh, you just you what? in a room. You I mean, what, what, what what's changed? I mean, you got a room now. You got a guitar. What, what's changed? Yeah, I'll tell you what's changed. My my um when I. When I wrote this stuff, or when I recorded, I mean, I don't even know how much writing was actually involved in this, but when I wrote this stuff, it was a matter of, look what I'm doing. Like, I'm just doing something. Like, this is great, I'm doing something. But now, I feel like just doing something isn't enough anymore. I need to have a purpose, an emotion, and a, and a movement behind it. Like, I've, I, I, I'll sit on my couch, my couch, and play my guitars, no problem. Um, and come up with some neat little riffs and stuff. And I even, I actually sat down and tried to write an actual song last week and stopped that one real quick. Um, why? 
my voice is not what it used to be. My singing voice. It made me made me very unhappy. Um, I will go and do that again. Enough. Yeah, I will go back and do it again. Uh, but it, 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 in the moment, it, it hurt my feelings. A lot um, of the modern pop stars can't sing either, and that hasn't stopped them. So you you do you, Mr. Beria. You don't let <laughs> yeah. your voice stand in the way of any success. You're, you just record it, and then you post produce it. Yeah. You're talking. You're talking like there isn't an auto tune thing. <laughs> when we did Jelly, Jelly Bean, they tried to, they tried yeah. to auto tune me, and I I shut Paul down real quick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Really, like uh, Joel told me a great thing once was just like just write a simple song, just make it two chords, and you're good to go. And I'm talking with Joel Marion. Yeah. 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 Um, it's true. Write a simple song. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, I did the simple song. I can do a simple song. I can then do, do that. a simple song. Do it. Right? But do it. I do it and then go, okay, great. So I proved I can I can prove I can walk. Whoop de do, right? I always knew I could walk. That's not a problem. I can walk. Right? It's it's when I try to run that I just keep tripping over my own feet. So why does this song cut off so abruptly at like with because like it ran out of tape oh it ran out of tape. <laughs> <laughs> limitations of space so it's a yeah. five minute track total so that why was it a five minute tape then what tape were you using uh so on that track there's there's actually another um i wish i could find it i honestly really wish i could find it i had another track on that same cassette tape um so because this was a two track Old cassette tapes. Old old man's gonna teach you guys some some stuff about cassette tapes right oh. now. So on cassette tapes, there's two tracks. There's a left and a right, right? But there's two tracks going one way, and there's two tracks going the other way. So most cassette players that you guys know of that you you would use, or even cassette players now today, when the tape is going one way, it will only read one side. But a trick that people would use is they would actually record to all four. So left, right, going this way, left, right, going the other way. You would use all four as a way to get four tracks out of a single cassette tape. So this is what this little Tascam recording box had. I could get it to read both sides. So on the first half of this tape, it was a medical procedure cassette tape that my dad had. I think it was about 10 minutes on each side discussing how to perform an operation on an ankle. And so the first five minutes of that cassette tape, I actually have this really cool, I, I, I wish I could find this. It's got this really cool beat that I had made on one track using whatever I found in the room with a guitar line under it, but then also under it was the reversed description of this ankle procedure going oh, underneath that's cool. it. That's you cool. had this like, and I would fade that in and you, out you are and the, pan it left that's and right as I was re-recording. It was fantastic. Awesome. No idea where it is. Well, probably not, but he probably mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, idea, yeah, yeah, Maynard, the Maynard, not Maynard, Adam Jones and I, we used to hang out. Scene, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, well, that's that. Yeah. be neat to hear uh, good luck finding yeah, the right. original uh, if I could find it man I tell right. you so I that's, would that's post happiness that thing so eats, quick uh, an early it was fantastic. Uh, guitar track it was garbage, by Mr. Barry done in his room when he was what 16 years old wow that's a long time ago okay uh, next up Elkanol 
Probably. Alkanol. Probably. Early no demo matter. from the Jelly Bean single. Fuck you. <laughs> talk about I want to talk about Oh man, that that uh, like, do we even want to talk about goes... now or leave it to? No, because we we gotta hear. Well, I was oh, gonna say, let's leave oh, it to the life after, to where you can actually hear the audio. This is so brutal. distorted. Well, okay, well let's talk wow. about Adam Brooks I, I... then. Let's talk okay. about Clint Wong. Who are these people? Yeah. On that That's... same four track. Isn't that tape isn't that Adam's isn't that Adam's guitar? It is Adam's guitar. Like yes, he was absolutely. just he was playing fuzzed out Nirvana stuff. Like that was it was like two chord, oh, three chord over. stuff that he was yeah. just like. But this sounds yeah. like you oh, guys. We were uh, we were this actually sounds like too. That didn't help. modern music. The plugins yeah. are made to make this type of music now. And here you guys just recorded it as it was. But this song is also so short. It's only three minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. we made yeah. it a lot longer later on without the jamming portion. I mean, it was. Um, um, it, it was extended in some place. The, yeah. the thing I remember about this song, because this was one of the first songs, um, I almost consider this to be a cover song of sorts, because it was the first time uh, when you gave me that, that tape and we were going to play at the Blue Note, uh, the first show uh, back in September 1990-whatever uh, it was. And I had to learn this song. And so this is the first time I ever had to copy or learn what another drummer had done. So it was my first exposure to actually becoming a step closer to like being a studio um, drummer. Um, mm. And I loved the whole intro. Uh, it, it, he does it longer here, I think. Um, the whole... Tsk, 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 tsk. But then he goes into the, the drum beat and it's simple, but it works for what the song is and trying to keep all the timings. And of course, I think we all remember how how... How well I kept time as a young drummer, uh, and then also the uh, pacing of the song and everything. But I consider this to be a cover song for me because I was copying what Clint was playing. And they, I've never met Clint. I don't have I ever met Clint. I don't. I don't know if uh, if I've actually ever. Oh, stupid universities, right? But yeah, so I, I never I mean, met I him. Think he went uh, I never got to thank him for uh, um, making this track that basically was my introduction to uh, playing other people's music. And then this breakdown. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question. I can't believe. Yeah, the breakdown's cool. I, my question was like, did I also learn this as a cover song? Is that um, what's his face's baseline in here? No, no, no. You did I come up no. with this bass? Am I, am I just following bass. your guitar? Okay. Yeah, because Donan didn't like the song. But you guys still used to oh, play it, though, didn't you? That's why the song is, didn't, we, so, uh, the song is so. short because it really? gets cut no, okay. off, I think. No. I thought this was the uh, only holdover. The, the songs that were the version that we did later on. Yeah. Okay, because I'm just following then, your guitar on there, I think. So I, you know. Okay, so... Um, all right, you want to move on to the next one? And this is row. you and me. Uh, so Changing String Jam is track number four on the Jelly Changing Bean single. Changing String Jam? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, queuing that up. This one's a, this one's a lot louder. Okay. This, I love this jam. I, this is one of my favorites. Not a lot longer. It's only a minute and a half. And this? you can hear the, the, sti uh, the yeah, strings no, this getting was, banged this was, around yeah, there. The uh, this my, song uh, stands out for me because we were playing this at the Rose Gallery. And this is after... Yeah. Clinky, well, clink. we learned later on that we got blacklisted from the Blue Note for playing too loud. Um, maybe because of a new drummer that had just joined the band. Uh, 
Yeah, it's not, and, a, it's not a very large uh, place. Rose I, mean, I, I, I can't in retrospect see what characters were thinking. And this changing string jam is like you could hear the, the bamboo sticks that you you and me are, are playing with that I'm playing with, and you're playing on bass there. But this is just us jamming. It's just your typical. Yeah. Hey, let, play something. Okay. Boom. Yeah. It's a, I think it's an important moment in a in a young musician's career or life when you just gotta like oh shit we got nothing and we gotta do something because all the people are looking but, at us so it. we're just gonna you know and, and the, the ability to slide into that there. and Steve too like, like just you're playing right, a cool like chops going on I think there. that's I think that's important to me. <laughs> I'm playing it like a guitar, <laughs> but but I'm uh, I think I had a little bit of uh, there's an Allison Chains guitar solo in there that I that I uh, modified a little bit or was playing around with once I ran out of things. But I was just I was just grooving and like I think that uh, I think the bamboo sticks. Now that you mentioned it, I had forgotten those were bamboo sticks that you were playing there. Like it's just a nice it's a nice other side. I think um that uh that we could uh, all three of us do different kinds of stuff right like there's a lot of a lot of angles and sides like i think the i think the allison chains reference is apt like where they could go sort of full on into this beautiful acoustic stuff with all these layers and uh and interesting things and then just rock it out right like i think i think we if, this, we, if we kept doing stuff, I think cassette, there would have been a lot uh, of like even layers of happiness and, 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 and evolution. Changing string jam, wise. I think, is one of the things that a lot of people commented on in our live shows later on. Was that like we were actually very good with our jamming, like our our musicality, our instrumentation was actually very good. It was when we were trying to write songs that people were kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. sure, they didn't, they well, weren't bad. It was just that that's what our, just our gonna... strength was our musicality together. I was just going to point out, like. Well, and I was going to point out, like, what? We had pink napkins. We've got alcohol. No, we did not have fuck. Um, we quarantine had, was later. Um, yeah. Fuck. Um, quarantine, quarantine, I think we melded with another jam. jam. In it? I, well, that was not me. Quarantine because alcohol was a song that we would extend with a jam, and then we would go into yes, like, that's pick right. the song we that the we'd meld. go into. Um, no, but there was another one. Yeah. Into quarantine. Yeah, we go Mrs. Alexander first. Yes, Mrs. Alexander. Like we, we, at the like we jammed because we were fucking good at it. Like I mean, we weren't great. We were no, you know, jam band masterclass in any way whatsoever. But other than maybe a couple of one of the ideas, I don't think we ever did a jam that I was unhappy with. Right, and even the ones that we, yeah, like even the ones that we like we jam in a show and it was kind of not like for whatever reason that night it wasn't working. We knew how to pull ourselves out of it and go into the next track and just be like, Nope guys, this is not, I think for whatever reason, we should have done more jamming in retrospect. Let's Uh, move on. It's one of those things that I thought we were spectacular at that. Maybe we should have built songs out of it. That's Yeah. That's like looking back now, I wish we had done the work. And I, I'm, I, I will take a lot of the blame for this, but to do the work of taking those jams and going, okay, what, what See, is the song? See, and at this point, I'd say, no, I think we should have just recorded more jams and not ever tried to make music songs, out of them, like right? mm-hmm. make structured songs, because that's exactly where the thinking comes in and the perfectionism and the, the blockage. I, I think it should it would have been just like great to have 40 minutes of this, because we did play extended jams all the time. Uh, and I wonder how many other people out there uh, from our time 
are thinking the exact same thing. We're like, you know, had we just, you know, done this, you know, played more, just jammed instead of, because basically the way that a jam works, it's like a conversation uh, rather than a um, uh, a song, which is more like an interview. Like an interview uh, is structured, especially if it's conducted by like a, a journalist or a, a reporter or anything like that. But like a jam is much more uh, <laughs> a conversation back and forth. You meet somebody, um, and that's why like uh, open open jams uh, are also very good, and you meet different people and whatnot. Uh, and there is a different sort of conversation going on at that uh, at that level. But there's no thinking other than I'm listening and I'm reacting and I'm I'll offer an opinion. And then we'll see how the other person responds to that opinion. And you don't always have to agree. And then uh, I would say actually great jams do agree all the time. They have to because uh, you're not going to have someone who's like, well, no, I'm not going to play on time. And the other person's like, well, okay, how do I deal with this person who's not playing on time or is not able to play on time? Mm. But the memory, the memory I have of our jams that really stick out, like I haven't, I haven't found this with any other people I've played with is that within our jams it was so much not just uh steve mr f is going to say something musically and i'm going to respond to it and then you know you're going to respond to it and pointing to your zoom screen which obviously is going to be different for everybody but it wasn't so much of us passing this improvisation which was part of it and that was very important but what i found with our jams more than that was that if I was working on something and I was trying to get a riff like in a jam and I'm like, I, I know the riffs here and I can almost feel it. And then I go, I, I would kind of just look up at you two and go, I'm lost. Like I'm not, oh. I'm not hitting it. I'm not doing it. Something's not right. And then one of you would make an adjustment that would get me out of that rut of holding on to that one thing for too long. And it would be like, oh. well, this thing's not going to work now at all. I got to let go of it and move on to the next idea. That's now the new conversation that's happening. Right. Mm. And, and I find so often when I work with jams with people now, it's we beat the dead horse until it works. Right. I guess what I'm saying is I don't have people that I play with now. Well, not now, but the people I play with recently to tell and me, Steve, that's a lot give of what it, it is. I mean, just saying, okay, just move on. Press, right. Play. Just um, push the button. Stop. Stop thinking about it already. Just do it. Uh, all right, so we've gone through the Jelly Bean yeah, single, at least through the tracks, yeah. uh, and then we come to the mm -hmm. title track, which is Jelly Bean, and this one was, again, a song uh, as so many young men wrote back in the day. Uh, do you want me to introduce the song there, Mr. Barry, or would you like to uh, explain? <sighs> no, but I'd rather actually run this track off of the Life app. I would rather... Yes, and that's where we are now. Uh, the Jelly Bean single uh, is really that one is that the recording is of it, yeah. done because uh, uh, I feel so that it really total. Oh, okay. I'll put the links up for people to have a listen. You'll, you'll listeners, you'll have a, you'll see what I mean because Jelly Bean single is the first one that was the song that we were promoting at the time. Uh, but then tracks two, three, four are Happiness Eats Alcohol and Changing String Jam Part One. Um, and the reason why it's part one is because there's actually a couple, and I think we were, uh, those original tapes are some, yeah, but those, those jams, like there's quite a few of them that would happen. Uh, I broke a lot of strings. Just throughout, and our, my whole goal with uh, uh, recording shows was just to record and not worry so much about editing everything. So that's why um, there's part one, and part two, part three, I don't know where they are. The, the original tapes do exist somewhere, I, but they're not at my uh, easy reach right now. So that is the Jelly Bean single, but then that takes us to the 
track uh, the lead off, um, and that takes us to the EP, which is called Life After, uh, dot, dot, dot. And the reason for that is because so many people were basically talking about Jelly Bean all the time that we're like, okay, there's a life after Jelly Bean. There's, there's stuff. We have more stuff than just Jelly Bean. Uh, Jelly Bean isn't our only song. There are many more songs. And so it's this album, Find This EP, where uh, Mr. Furmanuk has two songs on this track, uh, on this album. Uh, and then uh, the other four, I guess, are written by... No, yeah, yeah, two tracks, yep. And then the other four are written by you, Mr. Barrier, right? So, uh, so Jelly Bean, um, WTF, what is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cover art? Uh do you want to? Yes. Before so, we do that, do you want to? Um, I'll put this up on the, the, the show. Art? The cover art. Oh yeah. That's you. What do you? What is it? So my uh, my sister was a um, she had a problem with the drug addiction, um, and so she needed to uh, go into. Um, some, some therapy, right? So as part of that therapy, we as a family, I have a very strong um, family. Because it actually might be a little harder for me to talk about than I actually thought. But um, so we have a very strong family. We, we always looked out for each other. So when Rachel, um, oh shit. Well, when my sister went <laughs> into, um, into therapy, they also strongly suggested that we as a family go into therapy as well to try and learn how to help someone who's in crisis. Um, So one of the exercises they made us do was um, basically close our eyes and draw something. um, And they kind of guided us through it of, of like what, what our fear is, what our, what, what's, what's the thing that sits in the back of your head and scares you? So you had to close your eyes and draw it. So this was my picture, which was a small child standing outside of a, a black house um, with uh, that's a tree on the left side and horribly drawn windows. And considering my eyes were closed, I'm pretty impressed with this drawing because I, I don't for, think I yeah. could draw this with my eyes open. Um, I don't think I could draw this well with my eyes open, but the one thing to me, I mean, since I'm talking about it, that fence is so ridiculously close to what it looks like in my mind, that jaggedy pointed sharp arrows at the top of every rung of that fence. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't know who the little boy is. Isn't it the house where you grew up? Might not be me. It was definitely a little boy, but I don't know what that house is. You did have a big house. He is very that, scared but, standing uh, in front of the house. Yeah, I mean, no, uh, when I first like saw it, did you actually in. draw, you didn't draw this, uh, you inverted the colors. Uh, you drew this with a black yeah. marker. Yeah. Yeah. So just so people don't get, it's like, wait a minute. I did, it was you, black you marker on white. everything yeah, except but the I did white parts? It, yeah. Wow. But that was the only <laughs> thing I did was invert it. <laughs> you inverted the colors. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good call. Good call. Uh, yeah. Using the fumes of white out, out right? to draw Oh, things. God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but white that was the... Uh, white so that was the, for, for sniffing, oh, do not we for have the, I don't have the inner booklet. That photo, um, which I don't know if you guys remember which one, because it's not part of the package that downloaded here. That photo, you actually can't see anything other than three figures. I do. Uh, I and love that's that photo. us dressed all cool and goth-like back 20 years ago. 
And I think, am I on? It's true. Your hip, yes, yes, that's right. I'm not um, golf like I'm wearing my my, my like orange yeah, leather jacket and my army hat. Yeah, yeah, and nothing's changed. Uh, and my I hair looked like it was a bad anymore. Robert Smith ripoff. <laughs> Uh, but that photo is all blurry, and Ouch. actually, the guy who shot it—I don't think he even wants me to mention his name anymore. To tell you the truth, uh, was a friend of mine. Yeah, Ruslan doesn't want me to mention his name. Uh, Ruslan doesn't want you to mention his uh, name. But the reason why he didn't want uh, that. Look, if I mention if I'm dropping my sister's because, name, I'm dropping. Um, his he name. was making a goal of being a uh, proper photographer at the time, and though that role did not turn out. Uh, and one of his, it was sort of a regret. He was like, ah, it doesn't look good. I don't want this to be out there as an example of my work, um, which is something I, you know, you fully appreciate. Um, but it's a great photo uh, because it's sort of, I mean, you can identify us, but you can't identify us. I mean, it could have been anybody, uh, but it does fit with the, the, the grittiness and the, the griminess of the, uh, uh, the front cover as well. So it sort of matches in terms of, um, it's, uh, presentation it's uh uh in terms of its composition so um but that the three of us are out there i think i'm on a dumpster you know crouched down you can if you look at the photo you can see me sort of um these three black figures by what what is a garbage dumpster which might speak volumes about what it was but anyway it's the the photo is very blurry and whatever but that's so that I no that's actually it, just but... down the street uh. from my from my house it's is that uh, out back in the area. albert yeah so it was one of the you no know, we were in the um really somewhere around it was there. in yeah. behind um what yeah. became um, the martini so bar? it's around there somewhere i can't remember oh oh but uh so that they we because we, oh, wow. we did a whole bunch I'm misplacing it in my head and though I think of all the we photos that we've taken, those the are Albert, the ones that so. we used. Yeah, I know. Back of the Albert, Albert. I don't think we yeah. any of the others. So the, the most blurry photo that he was like, "This is terrible." We're like, "We're going to use it." <laughs> uh, so that w- <laughs> that's the uh, the album cover and whatnot. Uh, album cover and the photo. Yeah. So the tracks, Jelly Bean, Mr. Beria. No, no, you can't start there. You got to start with the guitar riff. There's the guitar riff. <laughs> I didn't. Nope. That's okay. that's that's. So I don't the know guitar who's riff. Broadcasting that actually. It's not me. This is. Oh, well, it's me. Seminal okay. in the Winnipeg rock music scene. And the reason why you hate it? Oh, God, I hate that riff. Well, no, I don't. That's not true. So that opening riff. So the open because it's the beginning of Jelly Bean. <laughs> um. So that opening riff. I actually remember when we recorded this, I actually had a big fight with Paul over it. Because every time we would play that riff, um, I had a multi-effects pedal at the time that had a ring modulator on it, and they would specifically use that ring modulator to make that opening riff completely unlistenable. Like, it was completely unintelligible to know what it was, right? Um, And the, the recording engineer, Paul, at the time was like, you can't start a song like this. You can't. It needs to have a hook right off the top. So instead of using the ring modulator, he made me use a Wawa pedal, which at our first show, I don't know if you guys ever knew this, the first show we did after we recorded this album, I forgot to turn the Wawa pedal off. Well, when you add a Wawa pedal to a ring modulator, it makes it even harder to hear. Oh, so man. I left that forever. 
Yeah, so that little opening riff is... So it's, then, um, with, do you think this is a hook? If you hear it live, you will never this, hear it sound like that. Is this the hook? Ever. Again. It's the thing that lets you know what you're about to hear. But that's what it... When I would go see a live show with like, I don't know, Guns N' Roses, right? Simply and you hear... Sweet child of mine. No... That was sweet child of mine. Thank you for, for hurting my my vocal ego right there. Yeah, that, that hurt. Um, what I loved about the intro to Jellybean was because so many people loved it. It was that every time they'd hear that intro, it would be like, I think this is Jellybean. I think this is Jellybean. Mm-hmm. But they're not actually sure until I turn that, or well, until we hear the click, bang. And then we're like, yeah, we're in Jellybean territory. Yeah, because I had to I had to count in Mm. Oh yeah! Signal that wasn't that your I best had to intro. <laughs> I think that's what it was. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Right. And that <laughs> drum beat, I think again. Did you guys play this ever before I joined the band? Oh, probably. It's been around for a long time, but I don't. Because I think ever consider the song being anything other than this uh, song, the, the drum beat. The reason why I'm asking is because the drum beat. I don't think yeah, I, I don't remember if we ever Although played I, it. If I had ever listened to it from someone else, I'm not sure how they would have played what I played, and I'm or I'm not sure how if I copied what they did properly. This drum beat is basically me trying to. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah okay. But there's no like live. Oh, it certainly wasn't ever recorded the before. Of yeah, it was definitely never recorded And the thirty-second guitar no, solo that comes in, no. and 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 then we come into the quieter part. Oh yeah, Steve, are you just doubling me on the bass there? I guess so, right? Uh, in this, in, yeah. Like, uh, no. Uh, well, I, I I I threw in fills like uh, yeah. I would I would yeah, hit the main chords and then yeah. like I I had I we played the song so many times I had time to come up with uh, with one for each like for each of the four uh, for the each of the four bars I had something uh, uh, different because I would uh, I feel like sometimes <laughs> bass is not always that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, because you're just anchoring the groove, right? Like you're you're just rolling the groove through, right? So, like I feel like there's a nice compromise between overcomplicating something and 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 hanging in for the groove and then popping something in the space, right? So, like I would find try to find ways to, to pop things in the space because I don't actually like listening to music with bass that's particularly complicated. Uh, that's not just supporting the groove. I think that's what it's for, but. Um, I think it's also it's it's fun to throw little things in in, in the space. So that was, was something that we um, after uh, we switched you out at pace. That was something. <laughs> oh that I wow! Yes, talk about a change of uh, lineup there. Wow! Yes, um, musicality, and then hmm. a lot of theory came in. Basically, that's a lot of theory. Was it always in practice though? Was always theory. kind of. A question how yeah but to be fair uh mike the next bass player the he was theory. very much into that stuff and uh, sure. mr barry we got into that stuff a little bit too with the uh it was like math rock but it was 
the way that he was going about it was like it was highly complicated. He was writing out these parts that you would you you look at his music writings and go, okay, now how are you gonna play that live? But that wasn't the idea. It was going to evolve over time. Whereas like with you, Fermanuke, it was very much like going back to that changing string jam and all the other jams that you will listen to, it's like it was all much more feeling performative, which makes sense and why you're still into the theater production these days because you are very much in that moment performer uh which is not what happened later on in the uh, in the band's development um what about those voices because if anyone's listening to this song on headphones uh mr beria you actually double up your vocals uh and this was talk about learning something about how things are made uh so one of the secrets to uh, recording studio recording especially is doubling up the, the tracks and you can hear this on metallica uh, albums quite a bit it's not as pronounced but so when a singer does the initial track they usually go through it again and they double it up and they either speak it or they whisper it or they they double it up in some way and in the left headphone uh left ear especially you can hear no, 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 no. Throughout the whole thing, you're... Oh, you're talking about, like, you're, you're talking way at you the end are, of the song, man. You're missing all ty- types of good Because there's the original... Um, I'll just cue up the, the first part, the first verse here. Well, you're harmonizing. The, right. The first verse is all... I only double up on the choruses. Yeah. And I kind of wish we knew that more ahead of time because I would have definitely harmonized. We'll go into the, the I'm not very good chorus at harmonizing. Here. I have to practice it. Yeah, a lot. so you're you're harmon you're harmonizing here the the first. I'm listening to the first chorus here. And oh wait, maybe I did hit you it. You can hear yeah. it because the the vocals are sort of spread out, mm. uh, panned a little bit more. Like your your backing vocals are back here, which they're supposed to be, uh, but then you can hear the that they are actually uh, doubled up yeah. um, and panned to the side. Yeah, I go down on the right, and I stay at the same note on the left, yeah. Why didn't I do that live for you? Why did we never I think to do that? I don't know. <laughs> Why didn't, like, know. you're like, oh, that's cool. You know cool. what? Okay, that's going to come so then, up when we get to, uh, with, to Stuck Pig. Uh, oh, yeah? At the end, so yeah. the last minute, I have, I have I'll just that. fast forward here. Oh, fast sure. forward, I'll fast forward. You don't fast forward anymore, kids. You skip. Um, this is where you are saying something. You're speaking to yourself. What are you saying at that at that time? The last minute or so of the song. Okay, no, no, I'm not letting you skip that far ahead because you're missing two very important parts. Um, right. That guitar solo, um, because there's a very good story about that guitar solo. There was never a guitar solo in Jelly Bean, ever. I hate guitar solos. I like jamming. I hate guitar solos. And I had to write a guitar solo. So we're talking about... Um, okay, so 256. Okay, so there you go. I, I got it track. playing here. Uh, you're ending the chorus, and here comes the guitar solo. Just going to let everybody enjoy that for a moment. Sounds like the verse. Soak that guitar solo in. That was 10 seconds. 14 seconds. So, 
Steve Fermanuk, do you remember what that uh, what I told you about that guitar solo? Uh, I probably will after you tell me again. I know you will after I tell you. So one of the first musical things that Steve Fermanuk and I did was this fantastic production SJR where we did a whole bunch of Neil Young songs. Oh, it's totally a Neil Young solo. It's it totally, is totally a Neil Young a solo. Neil Young solo. It's so such a Neil it Young solo. It is not yeah. only a Neil Young solo. It's the song down by the that river. Steve and I did is yes, it is down <laughs> by the river. It is the exact riff from Down by the River because that was the song that Steve Sir, or Steve Furman and I did at SJR, and mm-hmm. uh, it just fit. So, so I sped it up we've and put it in there, and it Alice is down Machine by the river. Is going to sue us. It's the one note guitar solo from Down by the River. Yeah, infringement. Well, you support Trump. Neil Young only sues if you use it in your political speeches. Uh, And then we already talked about the next part, the bit with the uh, doomed for failure that was never there until we kept trying to practice it. And... (laughs) It's really hard for me not to sing along. It's really hard for me not to sing along. Make it last. Even though I can't sing sail a ship without a mast. Because I smoke and drink whiskey. Doom for failure. So that drop yeah. basically came sail in after practicing. And you're like, okay, we got to cue Steve Sierski, the drummer here, to. Uh, this is the ending of the song. So there's only eight more or 16 more bars. Don't play any more than that. Which. Will bring us to the end of yeah, the song. Yeah, to, to get the uh, when yeah. in the yeah. studio because uh, my counting, yeah. uh, verse counting, and chorus counting was not the entirely accurate all the time, and so when the drums finally cut out at the end of the song, I very, very particularly remember being in the studio and looking through the recording window because I'm in the the studio like doing my thing right, listening on headphones. And we're like, we're counting. Okay, yep, got it. And the song stops. I'm like, okay, great. So was that the other breakdown? And then I start going drumming again. And Snalka's like... <laughs> and that's how that sort of uh, ending sort of came into uh, to being... <laughs> yep. <laughs> But it's a great ending. It works so well. It's such a great ending. That little yeah, it's like all because of a fuck up. It was all because uptick of the right before we do the denouement. It's so bar. beautiful. Well, yep. Um, the stuff that I whisper is not. There's not a great story behind that. It was we recorded yes. it one day and then we were going in the next so what day was to do it? more do recording. And Paul had said we should put something underneath it, so I came up with something. Um. Oh, something about Oh yeah. Uh, um Okay, so the story of the song, it was uh it was it was a song to a girlfriend who we broke up or whatever. And by the time we got around to recording this, there was actually a lot of animosity. So the whispering was um jelly bean why can't I see that you had fun fucking with me? And now this has become dried up leaves or this is nothing but dried up leaves. Cause we recorded in the fall. So that's what I was looking at, but it was kind of that realization that it was the realization that she enjoyed fucking with me the whole time, which of course she didn't. 
Um, she will never Snap. ever hear this, but if she does, I know nothing you wrong with that. Me. Hey, it was we got a song out of it, man. and you Stupid. lived the emotions, and you produced you something. You were just doing what you felt good. was right. You yeah. used your angst creatively, yeah. and and you you channeled your your energy. There you go. Um, And that was something that, like, like this was actually something that always used to frustrate me about the way that Mr. Fermanuk and I wrote songs. Steve, you write beautiful stories. I mean, you do. I mean, well, it's nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, I still, I like, I would, I would give my left testicle Which to play watch was that one? play that you wrote again. Because I thought it was phenomenal. Thank you. Oh. It was the one that I said, or that we mentioned we didn't want to talk about. Oh, well, <laughs> we can talk about it. Um, no, that, yeah, thank you. That's, that's kind of you to say. I know that was, was the Was that the sound one that was closer. on at the, the um, U of W theater? I remember going to one of the plays. And it was it, beautiful. It was, was beautiful. It was sad. It was heart. Because I remember your fringe plays, but I don't remember, and I really remember one U of W play. Like it was at the no, U of no, w- it was um, U of W associated event. Uh, it was just at the U of W theater downtown. Yeah, no, I did. No, that was in 2010. Like I did that after I came back from Copenhagen. Like I wrote it um, mostly before I went to Copenhagen, and then kind of finished it up in Copenhagen, and then and then came back. And I wasn't even really living in Winnipeg. Like we had moved to Toronto, and then I came mm-hmm. back to direct it. Right. And uh, in in May of 2010, which is the last professional piece I did. I'm, you're, you're still involved um, in the theater. College. You, you um, basically came from a theater yeah, production yeah, background, but not production theater. And we did it for like Icelandic festivals. Uh, production sort of means like you're you were making the plays, but you actually you were the director, you were the writer, yeah. you were performing. Uh, uh, so you yeah, no, I wasn't. Yeah, no, I was, I was but but performing and writing, you're teaching and directing, yeah. in Toronto now, right? Yeah, Kitchen. Yeah, right, Kitchener. So yeah, uh, well, in Kitchener, yeah. yeah. This, um, that play, every time I hear Stuck Pig, I'm like this, Stuck Pig <laughs> should have been the outro to right, that Right, so play. then let's move that on to Stuck Pig, which is my younger left. brother's favorite song. Well, there's thematic elements, yeah, for sure. This, this, um, yeah, and um, he liked this song like when he was a proper Oh, child. that's no. nice to hear. Uh, so when I, he's five years younger than I am, so, or uh, something like that. And um, so he would have liked this song when he was in going through his teenage angst uh, time. Uh, so, Mr. Fermanuk, uh, mm, it's angsty. Okay, so I'm going did, to cue it up. Here we did go. Did you write Here, the guitar for this? Big. We're going to play that right yeah. there. Okay, so yeah. Mr. Okay. Fermanuk, tell us. I wrote. That's it. <laughs> oh, it's the about X Files. Just come home. Done. It's about X Files. <laughs> it's uh well no it's it's the, the i got the i got the t- yeah i got the i got the tone of it like it's i there was there's an x-files episode um about this family who are like like they're inbred and the mom like lives on a board under the bed and they bring her out and they're all like these big sort of hulking things anyway it was about like i mean sort of like in terms of the, I guess the theme or the tone of it, like it made me feel a little bit nauseous, right? Like this sort of that we all had. There's there's a there's an American mythology uh, or a North American mythology about like you know um, 
the country and and the backwoods and that kind of thing like texas chainsaw massacre type like uh often often the woods the terrible things happen no one can see you no one's there no one's gonna come and save you um and so i was i kind of playing around with that tone and 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 using it to, to talk about what i think was was a really real sort of feeling and situation of when you're a young person you feel like you're trapped you feel like you can't do what you want to do be who you want to be and um it was so i sort of used that and and, and turned it into a story about a about a girl who was uh whose parents were were, were keeping her in the house and and uh i thought it was about the uh, bad stuff uh, that was that was connected to that um but um, well, uh, it's not not about well, twenty a years. My life is a young changed. person is manipulated, and uh, something bad happens at the end. So, I mean, thematically, it's you know, it's it's the, certainly it's certainly thematically connected to that. I think, um, but yeah, and I wrote I wrote that riff a really long time ago, and had it in a bunch of different songs that I was playing around with, and I ended up. The chorus I wrote for a song that I sort of threw away in a play that I wrote, well, the first play I ever wrote when I was 16 about the, uh, about NASA scientists, NASA, NASA scientists finding heaven and like putting, uh, putting down their flags and sort of taking it over and, 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 and colonizing heaven and what would happen on the earth and everybody goes to, you know, to heaven. Anyway, it was, a, it was a very long time ago, but I wrote that song as like sort of, a, or that chorus as, part, as a musical part to that play that I never ended up finishing. But then I stole it and stuck it in here for, because it, I felt it needed a little bit of a major, like major progressionness to it in the, in the chorus to bring you into something a little bit more relaxed and joyful to pull then pull you back down again later on and uh yeah so the, for people who want to know the episode is called home and it's season four episode two. Oh, did you just find that yeah. awesome season four episode two it's a good one it is also considered the seminal tech files episode okay um and um <laughs> The actor who played Cancer Man actually thought the episode went too far, and he had heard wow. from fans who would not watch the show anymore after it because huh. it was so gruesome. It's really upsetting, or yeah. for, certainly for the time it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not based but, on so, it, but it's. But like, that's the that's, that's the story. There's that there's, there's tonal and thematic the solo, yeah. or not the solo. The uh, the music uh, is like separate from that entirely. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I yeah, like I, I, I think I, I hmm. the the lyrical piece that I had was "Will you know the end when it comes?" was what I what I put in with the with, with the music when I when I sang it and played it, and then built out of that. But that was the what is that? What is that about? When the end when it comes? The I I know that you wrote the riff. This was coming yeah. back to me now that I now that we're talking about it. But I remember the riff not jiving 100% with me when we were working on it originally. And then I, I, I now it's, it's coming back to me now is that there's something stinking in the water here. Is that the yeah. right line? Yeah. That invoked to me uh, an idea of a swamp. Yeah. And so the, the, that riff, that it's an E chord. It's not anything special. It's an E chord. Yeah. And I used G to on. hate playing this song because we had to, had to come out of drop D because everything was in my drop D. Yeah. Um, but 
did to change it was I really heavily palm muted the bass. So the 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 jug 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 like given that really juggy I mean that I mean it's called a gent type sound now, but um that was to evoke that swamp type feeling that I was getting from the lyrics was like we're in a this is a swamp. So I want to evoke that feeling of we are trudging and stuck yeah. and and deep in this mire but there's also this like that it's like almost um i, mean, I want to say deliverance but i don't think that's what i was yeah. thinking at the time but there's like, yeah you're in this trudgy gross thing but there's there's more there's something shiny here keep listening and what about your vocals yeah. because your vocals yeah. are very the little bell that's that calls you to the woods yes, yeah. yes, for yes, when you hear that's how i thought of it yeah Fuck, I love them. I fucking um, love them in this song. Doing some grunting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's to make up for not being able to sing notes. <laughs> make noises. I think um, I, I think that uh, I, I yeah, I was I was playing with playing with playing with darkness and playing with uh, feelings that I had about about being about being trapped and about um, and and in a way that I think works for me in a, in a process to like to, to, to take a feeling and then find another place where that feeling is and then and then write about that and explore the same could you have made the song shorter got to weave it into into another situation <laughs> there um, we go <laughs> yes no. it's i don't know if i don't no. know if i should have made the song why? shorter no. why should it be but two it, minutes the song shorter. should be shorter yes no. it should be two minutes shorter no. absolutely because it's too long. Yeah. Because- there, is the, there is one point where we do an extra verse that's like, or an extra pre-verse, and I'm just like, mm. no, we don't need the part at the beginning, and we don't need. Um, I just, I just, I like to, I like to sit in that riff. Like, I like to sit in that because, and I wrote it on acoustic guitar, and I just used to sit there and play it, and it, there was something, something soothing and comforting for me, right? About just like moving from the E to the G and the E to the G. And um, yeah, no, it, you could, I could easily, if I was listening to it now as. Uh, as a different person to go, yeah, just just be a be a grown up and. Uh, I think what I would do, all like listening to it now, is I'd 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 play it uh, acoustically with a stand up hey. bass and and who came up with that rain stick? Uh, see, yeah, who whose idea think? was that? I love that rain stick, man. That's yeah. gorgeous. And like some stuff like that, get a washboard, like get some of those things and, and some of that kind of like, like tinny rusty kind of sound to it and, and weave that um, distorted guitar. Oh, that guitar, that guitar, the, 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 yeah, on a banjo, man, that would be unreal. That's yours. That's your, that's your thing. I know that that was your, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. 215 okay, I'll call no it. i'm talking i'm i'm stuck at about in the course stuck. i'm at yeah about 215 here in the course coming around again though to the i was talking earlier about those songs that like make me feel like i'm you know feeling a really emotional punch mm-hmm. this one does it a lot for me with that vocal the pre-chorus vocal of the uh, yes. where my vocals are doing the very ghostly thing in the background yeah. underneath yeah. that feels to me like like i'm coiling a spring in my chest yeah and sure. then we hit the chorus um and it's just like it's not even an unreleased releasing of a spring but almost like a gradual just opening up of like yes here's mm. 
here's this the reason for this to feel this right and then sure. it comes clamps right back down again right but for that mm-hmm. chorus that moment is that exaltation of the the the, the exhale of that uh, whole yeah. moment you guys you sound like you put a lot more thought into this song than right. i did for the mu- for the drums i'm not gonna lie um I, I, I'll have to bring this back down to earth um, and say that the drums for this, <laughs> wa- they were recorded and made after I had first listened to And Justice for All by Metallica, uh, which my sister had found. I don't know why she had this tape, but she found the tape. Uh, no, Ooh. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Justice for All, yes, uh, with blackened on it, right? It was a black tape. I remember this. And I listened to the whole thing. And in this song, Stuck Pig, you'll hear me playing yeah. the tom drums quite a bit. And this is me ripping off Lars Ulrich doing one. So it's doom, goodakum, goodakadum. I'm just literally taking the tom drums out of And Justice for All. Not just one, but Justice for All, like those two songs that he does a lot of tom work on that album. And that's where I came up with this. But of course, I wasn't using the double kick. One. Uh, by Metallica was so slow. I didn't. I actually never really liked one. Everyone talks about it being a great song. I'm like, it's too slow for me. Uh, I liked Dyer's Eve and Blackened off of that album, um, and that's what kind of hooked me to Metallica. But uh, one was just like, this is so painfully <laughs> slow. This uh-huh. is terrible. Uh, but with yeah, yeah, it's it. So this is my homage there's, there's... to uh, Lars Ulrich and Metallica's one. Hmm. Okay, so I, I, in retrospect, I overanalyzed the music we wrote. So maybe this will um, help you start to kind of see how we look at this. In the chorus, you have that anticipatory drum beat, that the brat, 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 right? Like the whole song is very, very plodding and drudging. But then all of a sudden in that pre-chorus, it's this like... Um, kick snare kick snare hi-hat maybe but it's very mm. quick of like like three really quick ones and then back into the trudge and then like right like you're building i don't know you, you probably didn't do it intentionally you just liked it but what you're what it feels like you're doing is you're building that you're helping that whole whole coiled spring that is that pre-chorus yeah i think the other thing that i was using blow um, it up and the, uh, it, at this to, time to was the, release, the yeah. blue hydraulic uh skin for my snare drum which i had a i had a cheap cb kit it was it wasn't cheap at the time it's 500 that, that was a lot of money yes to me. um, i remember but that it was a blue it's called the hydraulic snare hydraulic skin uh and i think remo i'm not sure if they still make it but that was i used that skin for this whole album basically and it gave this really dark this really heavy fat sound and i think it's mostly used for um funk drummers not rock and metal drummers uh i think when they were trying to mic it they're like this thing is too muddy it doesn't stand out in the mix uh and it was because it was meant to be very muddy and very fat it wasn't meant to be a prominent uh snare snare head so like jelly bean and stuck pig were all recorded with this and that sound really lent itself to the stuck pig track um as for the other percussion i think stuck pig was i think mr firma you 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 guys were coming over to my house for for practice and for jam practice and whatnot and it was one of those things where I was like, hey, you have a rain stick? Hey, you have a djembe? I'm like, well, yes, I do. Well, can we play it? Yes, yes, you can. And I think it was just, let's let's bring in all of this percussion into the studio and use everything. 
with no artistic real direction. It was like, you have a djembe, let's play the djembe. So the djembe yeah. went into the stuck pig. The the um, rain stick was like, ah, oh, you have a rain stick. Let's get a rain stick. Do, do some rain sticking and stuff like that. So it was just an excessive amount of percussion. Yeah, well, it's loose. It's a very loose kind of simple I don't know. I mean, I'm listening to the length of it now. I go, I don't, I don't really want to listen to the song so many times, but because it, because there is such an arc throughout the song overall. um, I don't know if it's a song that you could listen to it on repeat, but even listening to it now, you go, I, I think if we were to play it again live, it would be tough to, to shrink it down. I think because it's just so, it's become so elemental as it, as it is. Uh, So that's Stuck Pig. Um, Do you have anything, any other comments on Stuck Pig? I don't think so. I'm, I'm only think five like, minutes into it. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else to, to cover. Well, there's the outro. The last minute whole, 30 like, is the, all the, the outro. outro. That's why it ended up being why so long. Is, is this necessary? I mean, I mean, now I listen and to it go, it uh, is a good ending to the whole story that that's being told. Well, I would... The uh, like with the, yeah, the length, it builds um, to that. Especially so I think you just got to cut pieces out. A lot of our songs back then were very long. I think, yeah, and that we were sort of proud of that because there was some jamming well, over five minutes right? big. Uh, i think it it very much lends itself to a, sh- a short film the and actually the the images that i get in my mind when i'm listening to is is actually uh what's that song by tool the, the stop motion mm. one uh not uh sober but the the first ones the yeah uh prison sex is another one so, uh, oh, so there's a bunch of like them. that sort of style that dirty so grunge sort of stop motion the, like the stuck pig imagery uh, music would fit together with that sort of uh, yeah. idea which is why yes. it gives itself to seven minutes and 30 seconds yeah. it's enough time for a whole story arc not just in terms of the lyrics but also the musicality and then it brings up these images that aren't necessarily met married to the lyrics to the story as it is but it could people can take that and work with it in a, in a different way as well yeah um tone or theme or whatever yeah I will admit, I remember, I remember <laughs> having to mix Stuck Pig and being like, oh, why? The song is so long. <laughs> <sighs> having to go through it all. I mean, I loved every moment of it, but it was, you know, like, oh, when that's you're in that moment and working that's on it in like 30 second chunks, for post God, seven and a half song. minutes, that's a lot of 30 second chunks. In, yeah. <laughs> for Stuck Pig, not very much. Well, the, the lot of the post on the stock pig was um, my vocals, mm-hmm. um, because obviously we didn't record them with all the reverb and everything on them, so that was a lot of uh, the post production. And then um, the percussion actually was a lot of it, just trying to make sure that because the rain stick is beautiful, but we didn't want it. I didn't want it no. to get lost in everything else. Right? Do you remember the actual process of mixing this album? Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember it's where I became heavily addicted to cigarettes. Um, yeah, uh, I, the pro, it was a lot of time of me sitting in that studio going back and forth and learning stuff about Pro Tools and how to change... Um, how to use effects i like i like effects on my guitar but i never really thought about like throwing an eq on a drum kit and then you know i learned there that 
Well, Apparently. yeah, Same with you need to EQ well. a limiting, drum kit. Limiting. It's you need very important to EQ well. a drum kit. Um, Grr. Ooh, I hate Grr. compression. Grr. Compression. Yes, compression. No. I know Jake told, will tell you otherwise. Jake and I argue about compression all the time. I hate it. That's that's compression's my my. And that's going to be, be me like, when I'm 80, sitting on my lawn, saying, "Get your compression out of my we music." We don't even compress music, man. We just experience music, man. man. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> we live music, right? Uh, let's we don't even write music anymore. Track number we three just, on this yeah. uh, EP, uh, which is titled "Aconite." Zooms and where we go. Yes. Ah, there you go. Oh, I, I want to say uh, about Star Kick that I like Steve's guitar because that. Uh, Oh, thank time you. Was that, uh, solo I at? barely remember it. Doing your... So it's the the ending one. Uh, okay. I don't know, six thirty or something, six twenty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good. So it starts so that's at like probably one of the best so solos I've ever written for the next couple yeah. of yeah. bars. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Also, very Neil Young inspired the theme. Absolutely, it's that yeah. bluesy like. And it's actually kinda, more than two bars. It's like the the jelly bean one came, and then it cleaned up, and then stuck big. You just keep coming along with the. It's because the, the jelly solo. bean didn't have a spot for a solo. Keeps going, but it's not. So that's be sure the thing. It's not. Everything could be short. Everything could be a little. That's what short. I'm saying is that you're listening to it going. It would be difficult. I don't know if that solo could be if any you shorter. cut out half of that solo, then all of a sudden, like the end of the song is gone, <laughs> right? Then you don't need the rest of the song. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah, because the the second part of the solo, the yeah. doesn't doesn't work without the first part the bluesy part bringing into it. That's true. And it feels very out of place. I think we could leave that whole, that part could just be dropped probably. <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah, it's hard well, to say. Uh, Speaking of things that, that can be dropped, let's go on Aconite. That's controversial. That's what we played on the radio. I have a, I have a strong love-hate song, love-hate relationship with this song. You were telling the story of vampires. I was never happy right? with the lyrics. I was never fully happy with I'll, them. I'll cue it up. Here we go. I felt this is Aconite. Yeah. Okay, so I went back and re-listened to this. Okay, so while he's going to... I would also like to point out that for a couple of our shows, when we would start Aconite, because it's just me for Aconite, um, I will never forget the show where you walked out into the crowd at the Royal Albert and started throwing your boots Were you happy me. about that? I can't, well, I I can't remember if you were happy about it. Do you not remember this? At the time, I was uh, I was furious okay, with well, you, but in retrospect, it was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that's exactly what I would do. That's a Steve Sersky thing to do, for sure. Oh, there you go. You mentioned it. You would right also there. stand at the back of the well, stage that, that was in later. your cape with your arms outstretched during the entire intro as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Had, had to be. Yeah. <laughs> So I was re-listening to this song. Um, so at the time it was written, uh, vampires and well, yeah, mostly vampires were very, very um, in. 
Um, I've had a few people ask me if this is related to Anne Rice, and this was actually written before. But the movie was released in 1994, sure 1995, right around there. So um, that, but if you listen yeah, to the lyrics, dude, it was. Was it really? Mm, well, not related. Anyways, the um, if you listen to the lyrics now, in our current context of, I mean, almost past context of Me Too and. Um, being conscious of how genders interact with each other, the song is almost cringy. Like it almost hurts. Like listening to me read these lyrics, and I'm just like, I don't know if I would be willing to write those now. But yet, it's but it's a love story. Like this is Aconite is a love story, but it seems like a creepy love story under a new global context. Or a context where you where you take the point of view of a victim, and you go, oh well, okay. <laughs> and which of those but, which of those contexts is is the so which is funny because the, the appropriate context to be glorifying the 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 story of life after of life after the story of Aconite was always about the victim because I've always 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 I've wanted to become an immortal right because I love humanity and I just want to see what it does. Like, even if it means I have to live as a recluse in a cave somewhere, I can pop out once in a while and say, hey, humanity, iPhones, pretty fucking sweet. And then go back and hide out again for another 20 years. That's all I want, right? Like, I think it's really cool because I like humanity, like in the overarching kind of way. So the story of, of Aconite was always, this is a love story because the vampires come and give it Anne Rice. the character, whose name is Annie, and I can tell you why, why later. Um, no, no, and I did get that a lot. Um, the story was about the vampire, like it was the story of Annie becoming immortal, and she's not happy about it, right? Like she didn't ask for it. So the love story is is this vampire giving her that immortality, but the the it, it, because he has this love and he has no other way to show it, he gives her this immortality. And the whole last, like the whole crux of the song is the last lyric is that you and me, we're going to live forever. That's him saying to her, like, I don't like we're done. Like I've made you immortal. I can walk away. We don't have to see each other forever, but you and I were, we're forever linked for eternity. And that was his uh, way of showing his you love. You and me are going to live forever. That's on the back of the t-shirt that you're wearing in Mr. Barrio which are the band shirts that we had made. There's the, there's the Sierra's Tears tier. And then on the back, it's very hard to see. It's the black belt, but it's you and me are going to live forever. Um, and does it say the song title? I can't yeah. remember. But, uh, right, so it's... Uh, those shirts cannot be found unless you go talk to Mr. Ferminuk's father, uh, who will sell them to you for $100 a piece, if not more. Or you check eBay or the Salvation Army. <laughs> I think yeah. Well. Salt, yeah. Um, I think I have a couple remaining somewhere. I'm not sure where. I, th- I was always meant to get them framed, actually. Uh, I always wanted to get one framed, but I just never got around. I never had the money to do it. Now I do, so I'll, I'll probably do it. So yeah, that'd be good. Um,
in terms of musicality, I can. So you've explained the lyrics. I will. Yeah. In terms of musicality, I can say from the percussion uh, perspective, uh, this was my ripoff of Guns N' Roses' mm-hmm. "Sympathy for the Devil." Because this was when you said it was about vampires. I'm like vampires. Uh, interview with the vampire, Tom Cruise, Guns N' Roses, "Sympathy for the Devil." I'm taking it. Uh, that whole bongo intro to the the hard part. Tom Cruise was in uh, Tom, with the sorry, vampire. Tom Cruise, Guns N' Roses? That seems like a bit of a jump. Sure, he was Lestat in that movie. Yeah, no, it was linking Tom Cruise from to Guns N' Roses. And they've never sure played it live. Was. They've never Sympathy, released it on Is their cover of Sympathy for the Devil from... from uh, uh, except for the uh, Best Hits, yeah. uh, Best Of album that they had later on. Um, but it's a song that they've never actually played live. They've never done anything. And I, I swear, it's the best cover version oh, yeah, of right. any song ever. It, it was just that good. It's fantastically produced. They, they were at their peak when they made that song. It's a really um, good. And when yeah. I heard it, I remember like that's what sort of turned me basically towards that style of music with that, whereas like metal or as rock and then percussion thrown in, um, and also a very long song, but kind of like Stuck Big was, but um, also has that whole arc because a, a, a seven minute story arc. And so with Aconite, I basically took the same idea with the percussion. Um, the, mm-hmm. the bongos and then i think there's some I'm not sure if there's any rain stick but then the uh the drums i was just following i think steve barrier you just said yeah do this it's got to hit this part you go dun dun and you're like you got to hit this part here that's where there's got to be a bit more of a emphasis and so i just created something that went along with that <clears throat> do you gentlemen remember the movie wayne's world do you remember the classic scene in Wayne's World where someone walks yes. into the guitar studio and says and starts playing Stairway to Heaven and they have a big mm. sign that says no Stairway to Heaven? So And then I loved Wayne's World, so I vowed to never learn how to play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> and then one day someone pointed out to me that I had completely ripped off Stairway to Heaven. The ending <laughs> of Aconite. It is almost identical. But because I had never that yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cue it up dan, here. Dan, so we're going dan, to the, the build up. Yeah, it's stairway to heaven. Yes, yeah, climax of stairway, yeah. Because I never learned so stairway, it never clicked. So three major that, artists oh yeah, by the way, I've just stolen now. stairway. Good. Alright, so here's it. And there's a stairway to heaven. I love this crack of your snare. I love it. Well, I guess it's djembe here, but when you do it live, I love that crack of that rack. Did we? Remember when we played that on the radio? 90, was that for... 97? Oh, I think it was 97. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't play it live. You guys played it. I don't think I did. I wouldn't have played it. Yeah. Yes, I have. No, a, it was no, just you, the track. Just the yeah, album they track. Yeah, played it. Yeah. We just talked a bit, didn't we? Steve, yeah, were you we there too? Like, I, yeah. I have that but recorded Steve on video and I went, somewhere. He was making I, fun of our boots. I was there. Exactly where. But I was there too. I had a camera mm. and everything. Was that with that was with Ace Burpee and that girl? What was the girl's oh, name? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. That's the one. Is Chrissy Troy still on the on Winnipeg Radio? 
Yeah. I know. I, have uh, no idea. Uh, I think she might be well, on some radio uh, station. I don't pay attention to radio stations we pick anymore, except for Dave Wheeler. Mm-hmm. So the story, um, I've never told anyone the story of Annie um, and why I used Annie. Anne so Rice. I watched an interview with, um, uh, God, what was her name? Was it Chantel Kraviasic, Kraviasic or was it? Chantel Kraviasic? Oh, wow. Yeah, there was, um, um, oh, God, she plays piano. It's a piano song, and I can't remember it now. But she says someone's name in the song. Um and someone asked her in an interview and said, why did you pick that name? Like, is that someone, you know? And she said, Nope, it just fit. Mm. And so I was, when I was originally writing Aconite, Annie was just the name that came out. And I put, I tried putting in other people's names that had meaning, you know, people whose pants I wanted into at the time, like Annie, all these different the, names. Our Lady Peace had this Nothing song. ever worked. It was Our Lady always, Peace had a song had where he Annie. talks about Annie Annie always Annie. Made He's sense. married to Chantel. I have never known an Annie. Of course it was. They got the idea from us. Yes, but that was not, uh, I believe Aconite was before that song. That's not even for all the songs. Travelers. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Stairway um, to Heaven ripped off Aconite. Yes. It was written yes. in 1972. Um, oh, God, it's going to bug me. I don't know uh, his name. Um, Our Lady Peace guy. Was it Wayne? No, it's not Wayne. It's, um, is that what it is? Oh, man, it, it was it was. Well, Sarah that's the Chantal Kirby-Azic song with the name in it. Is that, was it Wayne? Wayne, wait yeah. for me. Yeah. Wayne, wait for me. Yeah, and she was just like, I, I don't actually know a Wayne. It just, Wayne just fits. I was like, yeah. well, if a great she song. can get away with it, screw it, I'm hmm. going to do it. Yeah, yeah, it is a great song. Uh, all right. I'm not so her biggest Aconite, fan. Aconite, the vampire song, uh, in, in two parts on the Life After EP. And moving on to track number four, we got Pink Napkins, which is actually about, oh, yes. Um, before, well, before we do that, I've, I've paid a very nice compliment to Stephen Vermenuk, um, about his bass playing and how we lost his groove. Um, I think I should only, it's only fair that I, I tell you the one thing that I miss about, um, your drumming as well, is that I have not ever heard anybody get the same snap out of a snare drum as I do from you. Like it, it, when I'm working on music in pro tool or in my reason, I get mad because I don't have a sample of a Steve Sersky snare drum. The secret is the, the uh, snare the drum sound. I want. Snare drum head that, that you, that oh, I'm not yeah. sure if you could still get. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. And you have to buy <laughs> Apparently I've learned that now. On the market. <laughs> Only 20 years uh, after and, the fact. Uh, it's a cheap CB steel snare yeah. drum and put the i think it was at a remo ambassador okay. on the bottom and the uh, remo hydraulic on on top and that's that's the the funky fat crack that you're getting on that snare drum that well, was also you adding well that yeah baby that was again that was another brilliant idea career, like, i have money i don't know I why buy this drummers don't because, do this you know as a teenager i was responsible with uh, with money not uh but i bought yeah that baby snare <laughs> welcome to the club well i'm not there yet hey there we go uh but with that baby snare that pops me. up in one of the later songs i think actually mrs alexander's where it actually pops up because i didn't get that until after probably another year or two into the band at that point um like towards 2002 2001 2002 so i've been a couple of years in the band already 
but yeah, so that's uh, Aconite. Interesting song. Um, and right, so the next one. You want to move on to the uh, pink napkins? Or uh, Mr. Fermanuk has disappeared. We can take a short break if we need. Sure. Sounds like Mr. Fermanuk did. <laughs> I'll take a short break. <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I gotta yeah. get ice packs for my uh, computer anyway. Okay. We're doing a short oh, did break. I, did I, I initiate a break? You did. Oh. A reminder on my phone just popped up to remind me it's mom's birthday right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Today or tomorrow? Uh, well, in 30 minutes, I guess. Mm. How you doing? Uh, I mean, there's moments, right, where it yeah. really hurts and I miss her. I've been dreaming about her a lot recently, too. But, mm. um, you know, like, she's gone. Normal bad? Yeah, yeah. right? Like, she's, she's gone. There's There's a part of me that I will never have back, and... You know, that's that's reality. There's nothing that can be yeah. done about it. Like, there's nothing I can do to bring her back. So it's just enjoy yeah. what I have and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, that's the way it to, hurts. That's and the way you to know, do that. like, you're going to go through it. Steve's going to. Yeah. Well, Steve's gone through it with his dad passing. Yeah. Like, it's it's a it's a pain I don't wish on anybody. Right, yeah. like I, I would love to write something about it. I, actually, I kind of, I, I didn't get to tell the second half of my, my thing about your the way you write songs is that when your songs are stories, and I was always so jealous of that because I could never tell a story. But my songs are about writing, trying to put into words an emotion. Mm -hmm. And I never felt I could hit it. Like, that's why my songs get so long. It's like, I'm trying to explain an emotion, but I'm trying to explain something that doesn't have a physical <laughs> way to talk about it. Right? Like, Aconite's well, a great example. It's a love song, but yet, unless you know that, I dance around it the whole way. Well, I think your songs are stories about a person trying to explain an emotion, which is really what what all what what all the all the stories are about right is is about a right. person right a person that's going through something that's 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 wrestling with something and struggling with something right and it's a little bit more the medium is the message where like it's we're listening to the person talking right like we're not talking about them we're listening to them we're experiencing mm -hmm. what they're experiencing right through the through those moments i think i think there's a i think there's a lot of power in that i think there's a lot of uh of complexity and like, but in a way that only you can write, cause it's your, it's your personal, your personal struggle and journey, right? Like you're taking mm -hmm. your struggle and you're, and you're sharing it. Right. Yeah. I think that's really, I think it's really profound. Yeah. I think, uh, so the, what I, the song I'd started working on, which I was not, I wasn't doing it justice yet. Um, but it was, it was the lyrics were coming from that letter, that stream of consciousness letter that yeah. I sent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I think there's something there. Just the, the music that I had for it was not, right. it wasn't the right, it didn't fit. It wasn't right. But I know that it's, I know I did keep that riff recorded because it's going to be something, but that wasn't the right yeah, spot for but it. But not that. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. You keep rolling with it. Well, yeah. Apparently, you have to. You well, apparently, I have to post something now. So you have to post something now. Yeah, I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> If I wasn't recording this in Reason right now, I would go and find a track for you right um, now. There you go. Reason is this going to be a two-parter or what, no, this, this podcast? That's all. Yeah, Steve's going to milk this. So i got another hour and a half on this, uh, this recorder. <laughs> I am so sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. So whoa, whoa. sorry, everyone. Whoa, whoa. If, if you've made if it If you're far, sorry, if you've then it's not it worth it. Far, then guess what? You can leave. No, 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 no. You can't say you're sorry. No, there's no sorry. I mean, if you're apologizing for it, no. then guess what? No, you can... I'm changing it. <laughs> That's how it is. I'm going to... Uh, here, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to make a deal to everybody who's listening right now. Um, uh, Mr. Fermanu, give me a random word. Um, toast. Toast? All right. Anybody who tweets me at Fuzzy Steve with three Zs with just the word toast. Podcasting. And what was it? Uh, hashtag podcast hashtag regrets. Shame. Oh, yeah. Podcast shame. What? All what it has shame? to say is toast and hashtag pos- podcast shame. And I will write you a one minute something in reason if you've made it this far. There you go. That's sure. your gift. Just to be clear, I'm also listening. There you go. Well, no, you don't count. <laughs> I made it this far. I'm listening. You well, have to tweet me with toast and uh, hashtag podcast. All right. That's the reason to sign up for Twitter. Or yeah. you can yeah. check the show notes, and uh, we'll put that link in the uh, the show notes, and you can copy paste. You don't there you go. The secret word is in the podcast notes. This is null and void. <laughs> uh, I will get oh. my lawyer. I'll put a yeah right. I'll put a I'll put a second secret word and see if anyone figures it out. There you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, pink. So the cover of the seminal um, um, Frank Zappa song called "Pink Napkins." I couldn't believe we recorded that. <laughs> I did not find out until years later that Frank Zappa had written a song called "Pink Napkins." Well, he got it from me. I didn't either. No, again, again, it was time no. Drowning. He definitely didn't. Frank Zappa got nothing from me. Frank Zappa is is is. Um, he was. I think Frank Zappa was already was, dead, wasn't he? Probably. He died probably. in like '89 or something. Yeah, yeah. So this song, uh, in terms of the percussion, there's a lot of percussion. Talk about taking everything into the studio that you don't <laughs> yes. need. Uh, there was a lot of stuff into this. Right now, at the beginning, you can hear. A triangle. Why? Because I bought a triangle. Why did I buy a triangle? Because I figured I'm a percussionist. I should have a triangle. So I bought a triangle. And that's what you hear. And I, most people, any, most smart people, um, I was a bit of a, uh, obsessive about organic recording. Uh, and this goes through Stuck Pig, like uh, Aconite, all of the songs that we did had to be recorded organically. And by that, I mean, it had to be from start to finish, no interruptions, no cutting, no splicing, no copying, pasting. Nine minutes of triangle. Paul Sonaka's looking at me going, seriously? Really? Do we need... All right, let him go. Nine minutes of triangle. Ting, ting. That, I mean... Actually, I'm not sure if I'm playing the triangle right now during the uh, the chorus, but because uh, it gets drowned out by everything else. But yeah, uh, in terms of all of my recording, I was a stickler for being no. I press record, and I want to go from start to finish to get that entire emotionality of the recording. 
nowadays I'm a lot different. I'm like, no, give me, <laughs> give me 10 seconds and we'll just loop that shit. Like, um, it's, it's a little bit different because it's just easier. I mean, and it saves your mental energy for doing other things. Uh, I do yeah. still record some organic tracks in their totality, but I will go back and uh, finesse them a little bit as well uh, for whatever I'm doing. Um, but Pink Napkins is probably our longest song, but that's because of the jamming that goes on uh, throughout uh, the song, especially towards the end. Pink Napkins was usually this, the song that we closed with, wasn't it? It was. Um, before I forget, this song would not have ever been played as much as it was if it wasn't for that bass line. It's a fantastic bass line. That's, uh... God, I love that bass line. That's, uh, that's another bass line that uh, if you play a nine-minute song enough times, you'll get a complicated bass line. <laughs> Are, is there any variation to that bass line in the song? Um, well, of course, it's different. But um, otherwise, no, it's and it just goes over and over and over again. That's it. So again, like we, we could uh, yeah. have just looped you. You could have looped yourself. You're like, all right, you guys. You got drummer. You can't loop yourself just yet because the technology's not there. But me, done. Have fun. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I'm all of. I think this entire track is done live. Oh I'm yeah, yes. Done. Without a, yeah, uh, with the exception of some vocal punch-ins and punch-outs, it's all done straight off the floor. Yeah, it was, and one of the reasons was because I couldn't play it to the click. I think. Because yeah. uh, because of the time, because there's so much of the changing within it um, that it just wasn't possible. And again, with the drum beat itself, I was trying to add all of the drums in at once, uh, as you can hear him doing the double oh, kick, man. and it's just it's an excessive amount of percussion going into this song. And it, oh, but it's so. Oh. And again, this this rips off and justice for all. It's I took that. That's the song right there. Thanks, Lars. The riff is inspired. Uh, the guitar riff is inspired by Drown by Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, wow. The truth. The truth. Who, did, who did you steal the bass line from, Steve? Uh, there's there's some uh, there's a couple of blues riffs in there. Yeah, he's from, just trying to make us feel uh, good because he's the only creative one here who actually writes I anything think, original. I think BB King is what is is where I got is what the guitar solos I used to practice, and and some Allison Chains again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you picked a good bass player from Allison Chains. It's guitar though. It's Jerry Cantrell is what I'm doing. <laughs> oh yeah, he was popular back then. Resident uh, Jerry Cantrell was Jerry Cantrell still popular now? Is he? Jerry Blue with me. New Alice in Chains album is spectacular. Don't know. Again, um, I don't listen to much music. I this was a, probably the only track that we wrote that I liked better on the album than I did when we played it live, and it's all because of the chorus. So there are four vocal tracks on the chorus, mm. and they're all different, which is obviously not something that ever could have been replicated live. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I could pull my weight and do some vocal tracks once in a while live. <clears throat> well, but it wasn't the even that. It was like one, the same thing. One you was do like, else. Yeah. But like one of them was very aggressive. One of them was very um, thin. One of them was very whispery. Right? Like, yeah, which, yeah. which of the four, which two do we keep? Right? right. Like, how would it I can work? do whispers. 
Yeah, that's true. Could've I could have done the aggressive as a drummer had I had I tried it all vocalizing. You were having enough problems trying to keep your breath during the song, if I remember <laughs> it, correctly. It was a physical effort, that was, that's for sure. Yeah. I also love this song so much because there's so much going on everywhere in this yes. song. Yes. Yeah. Right now, at around 545, you start hearing the smacking sound. Uh, and that is... Uh, another great idea by me that Paul Sonaka looked at me and went, what the f fuck is he doing? And do why do why are you doing that? And as long as you clean that up, I have no problem with it. Uh, and so what had happened is that I had a whole bunch of, uh, back in the day when you had to make DVDs and CDs, and you never got it right the first time. But once you, made, once you used it once, you couldn't rewrite it. You couldn't just tape over it, right? So they were useless. So I had this stack of CDs that were basically frisbees useless um and so i took them into the studio put them on a cymbal stand and went i'm gonna break them and that's what i did so i took a drumstick and i smashed all these cds and fucking bits of little silver and cd particles and plastic and flying all over the place and there's, there's sparkles all over the place in, in the studio afterwards um and that is the whole smacking sound that you hear in uh in the in the song and i have to clean that up but it, i'm not sure I'm not sure if it really added very much to the song, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Thematically, it works. It works really well. Like the 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 the, the story of pink the the, <clears throat> the feeling of pink napkins is, um, well, I mean the reason it's called pink napkins is because I wrote it all out on two pink napkins that were at Humpty's on Main Street. Oh, but there you go. I thought it, it was, was about two... uh, maxi pads. No, it's it was written on pink napkins. So, um. The whole, the whole idea of the song is the first half of the song is the disparaging part. I mean, this is my psyche to it. Pink Napkins is my psyche to the T. Is that the whole part of the the first part is being <clears throat> unimpressed with myself and unhappy with myself and all this other stuff, and then the second part is the aggression and the 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 being fed up with being unhappy with myself and saying, you know what, I am absolutely everything that is different between us and fuck yeah, I am everything that's different between us, and that's the important thing. I am the, what, the stuff that is different, and that's why I'm important to me, right? And so that 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 smashing of those of those discs makes sense in that case, because that's the point where like, like I'm, I'm, I'm smashing into myself, telling myself, like, stop getting down on yourself. The fact you're different is exactly why you're, you're important. Wow, you read into that cool. CD breaking then more than I did. I think it was like I got stuff I can break. No, that is putting context on them, and it, it oh, it, it actually worked at the time. It was Steve's gonna smash some CDs on tape. Yeah, as long as he cleans it up, it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember that warning that Paul Sonoka gave me. Yeah, comical. <laughs> that is so. That's a nine-minute song with the. Uh, feedback at the end of it. Uh, did you want to talk about the jam at the end of the song there? Because this, uh, this is the uh, that ring modulator coming back, and also that wah wah pedal coming in quite a bit here. Yeah, I think right it feels like it feels like we had a, a, a not not a fairly standard jam, but like we had some elements that would come in and out. Like in this one, more so than some of the other jams, like it felt like it it, it had a movement, it had a, a build to it that was fairly similar. Yeah. We'd go into similar places, right? Um, which was which was nice, right? And I think we captured that. I feel like we captured the spirit of, of what we used to do uh, with this. 
And like that whole outro, uh, I think we really, uh, I think that was one of the reasons why we actually couldn't use a click track because it, that whole thing just became messed up at the end. It was, free time. It, it wasn't possible to uh, click that at all. Uh, but that again, with my drumming, I think I was just trying to throw in as much insanity that I could. Uh, I was trying to do, that was one of my first attempts at trying to do a lot of double kick work. And I don't think it worked. Actually, and this is partly my fault. It is all my fault. And partly to do with how the drums were tuned um, was that you can't hear the, the kick drum really come through too much. So you can't hear me. And no doubt, I'm not hitting the drum hard enough. I'm not striking. I don't have the muscle behind it. Not like when you hear in Mrs. Alexander, which was recorded live at Wise Guys. And that was miked and tuned better. Um, for the circumstance and it pops out and I think by that time I got my my double kick down quite a bit but this was me trying to play like Dyer's Eve speed uh, and it just mm. wasn't working I didn't have the force behind it I didn't have the accuracy behind it and I certainly didn't have the endurance so I was like running out of breath and that's why towards like the last minute is just like you hear me go into this very slow da 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 and that's because I'm catching my breath and I'm like no back into the speed metal like no can't do this da 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 back into speed metal like Nah, you just picked one one tempo and gone with it. But that that was my first attempt at trying to be a, a like the death metal drummers, and not really. Uh, I almost there. It was some. It was a work in progress. My first studio gig, what basically. I, what I like about this particular jam, over some of our other jams, is that there's very obviously a point where like, yeah, you're tiring out, and the two of us pick up to fill the gaps that are being left with you now being a little more relaxed drumming. And then all of a sudden there's this like, the baseline from Mr. Firmnick is dunk, 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 <laughs> dunk, like totally out of time, out of nowhere. But yet all of a sudden we have started keeping the beat. So there's just this like random off time thunking on the baseline. Like if we had <laughs> planned that out, it would be a piece of musical genius. But the fact it that we just did it in the spot because of, of the way genius. we talk to each other musically was, beautiful <laughs> yeah so uh let's, uh let's see if i can find that that dunk dunk it's right near the end it's yeah. it's great i love that part of that song it is uh and where where is the lighter you forgot the lighter lighter do you not remember the lighter i'm listening for it i don't hear it it would have to you, be at, the... at at the beginning of the song you light a lighter and at the end of the song, the last thing in the song is you closing the lighter. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So and so there's the first note, the ping. You can't hear it very well on this web rip, but if you listen to the actual CD, you actually hear a flick, flick of you trying to light huh. a Zippo lighter. And then the very last thing in the track is the closing of the Zippo lighter. It was just one of those other, like, I'm going to make a lighter, a percussion instrument. So you're saying it's like right at the beginning, like. Yeah. Like within the first five seconds. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll play it just so people can listen. Here it is. Oh, it's very quiet. Very it quiet. It, on this web rip, it's very quiet. I'll see if I can find the what, the wave file. And then at the end, you're saying it's there too. Okay, let's see. So last 10 seconds, here we go. 
it's it is hard to hear because there's a fade in into the uh into the live track because that was your brilliant idea and i said why did you do that The uh, no, there's no the, the Zippo doesn't close at the end, and at the beginning it's very hard to hear. You have you'd have to know what you're listening for in order to, to get it. Uh, it might be different on the wave. I only download the uh, MP3s. Uh, yeah, because it's I, I remember I because I remembered mixing that like crazy, and um, it's definitely right after that last bit of feedback. Oh well, lost to the ages. can't be any other way and with that fading in because uh people who uh back in the day this was actually a, a mixing trick uh that a lot of people use and was always kind of neat when they faded one track into the next one and you know back in the early 2000s this this was the realm of professionals because uh, it was very difficult to do. Uh, you had to know some technical mumbo-jumbo to actually get this to work uh, with track offsetting uh, when you're burning a CD. Uh, and what Mr. Berry had done with this mix is that he created this track offset or overlay uh, that would feed into the next song. And what you hear ending, or at the very end of the Pink Napkins MP3, uh, is the beginning of the next song, which is Elkanol. Uh, which we've already listened to once. Uh, we listened to part of it, and then this, the next two songs on this EP are recorded live uh, by was it? It was Jean's uh, Jean's uh, uh, MP3 recorder, right? Jean Louis from um, yes, Jean from Faust. Faust? Jean, yeah, yeah. Um, so he just had this MP3 recorder, which was like, oh my god, or this digital recorder that he set up at the back of the bar. And I'll tell you that actually, it's very good sound quality for what it was and how it was set up and the next two tracks Elkanol and mrs alexander are recorded from this live show in january so when it's shit ass cold out in winnipeg uh we we made this song so that's the 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 beginning of at the end of pink napkins that's what you hear so with that let's get into uh do you have anything to say about pink napkins i mean nine minutes long people can listen to that (laughs) we closed every almost every show that i can think of with pink napkins and the one I mean, there were, it was like my favorite part of the show. I don't know about you guys, but it was always my favorite part of the show. Was no, like, it was great to let go. When we got, sorry? It was great oh, yeah. to let go. Like, it was the, the finality to it. We'd get halfway through that point of pink napkins, like right before where there's the change to where it gets to the aggressive part in the end. And I'm just like, it's coming. I, got, I used to get so excited that we get to the ending. I do remember one time at Studs, I don't think it was called Studs when we played there. I can't remember. Um, but it was one time that we played Pink Napkins, and I remember all I did was turn the knobs way up. And I, You may not have been with us at that point, Steve. I'm not sure if you were still with us when we played Studs. Probably not. Is that not. the one that was in the basement of... Yeah, uh, of Teasers. On McPhillips? No, no, no. Oh, no. That one was gross. That one, I don't... Oh, I totally forgot I, that I one. I feel like I played... The Stone? I feel like I played the basement of Teasers, yeah. yeah. The Stone, right. Um, but I remember the show, like, basically, we got to the end of Pink Napkins, and I tried really hard to push through it, and I just couldn't. So I just took my guitar, turned all my amp settings to full, and walked off. And you guys kept going for a while, and I walked off to the bathroom to go vomit <laughs> because I had food poisoning. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I remember that one very clearly because I just walked up. I was just like, 
I can't. Burp, burp, guitar up against the amp, make a whole bunch of whoop, oh, whoop, 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 whoop noise, and I just walked off to the bathroom and vomited. Yeah, and sadly, our show, uh, our live show, wasn't such that we could use bodily projectiles like that. Like Gwar could do it; they could work that into their, their yeah, show. Yeah, wasn't easily, our theme. Yeah, yeah, no, we were very well, much. It wasn't. We were keeping. It wasn't bodily a part of the in. show. Like it wasn't the part of the show. It was I was ill. <laughs> and I I needed to get that dairy whip out of my stomach. Oh, but you played the whole show, you know, with the with the bad stomach. I mean, that's that that's was impressive. The, uh, that show was not pleasant at Ugh. all. Ah, that that must have yeah, been I don't I remember that one. I don't remember the, the I remember some dodgy basements that we played in, but that one I don't remember. Studs. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, that, that was a gay bar. That's what it was. It was a, a gay strip club, I think. And then they had like... Yeah, it was a male strip club. Male, male strip, strip club. club. Yeah. Sorry, not, not gay. Not, it was male strip club. You're right. Um, well, and so a lot of a lot of ladies would go to studs while their yes. husbands were at teasers. Yeah, yes. So. And so that's uh, that's where we played. All the classy joints in Winnipeg. Play where you uh, play, man. Uh, yeah, yeah man. Look at us now. All right. Look at us now. Okay, let's yeah, move on. Yeah, classy dudes. Uh, Alcanol. So we're going back to Alcanol. This is the song that uh, you guys made years prior, and we finally recorded it. Uh, we didn't. I guess the story behind why these are on the album, on the EP, was because we didn't feel that four tracks was enough, and four tracks was all the money. Sorry, Jelly Bean was recorded for free as part of a uh, sound engineer course that uh, uh, was going on at Studio Eleven. Um, the next three tracks took up so much tape room like they each took up a t- like stuck pig took up its own tape pink napkins took up a tape aconite didn't uh and by tape i mean like the physical tape that the studio was using to record and i remember uh, asking uh, telling steve why don't you just buy a bunch of tapes and we'll just use them all and paul was like it doesn't matter the tape ends like there's there's no more tape you can't do any more like you could keep on playing but you can't you, you still have to replace the tape in the actual drive. Um, and these are these are like high-quality metallic tapes that they were using to, to record these things. Uh, so we only had the money to do the three songs in the studio, but we figured if we were going to release an album uh, or an EP, and the reason why it's an EP, not an album, is because we hadn't really ro- written enough stuff just yet to make a full-length 12-track album. Uh, and we figured, well, we should record one of our live shows. Uh, and so that's what we did. And that's where Alcanol and Mrs. Alexander tracks number five and six uh, come in on the, uh, uh, on the EP. So with that, Alcanol again, this is one of the more excessive songs because you can really hear the, the, the energy, the violence. Not violence, I mean the aggression in the, uh, in the song. So I'll cue that up here and then we'll just get going. It's going. And play that. There it is. Because I didn't go back and listen to the Jelly Bean single. Um, you may have originally copied the drums for alcohol, but there is definitely that that stutter stop was not in the original alcohol. Yes, that was me trying to use yeah, the, the double kick and the baby <laughs> snare. <laughs> Yeah, no, that 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 part, like with all three of us doing very like that very rhythmic bump, 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 bump. Considering we're such a jammy band, the fact that we could like coordinate like that on a on a note so tightly, like that was. uh, Yeah. Yeah, that made that song. It's It's got a hardcore punk quality to it, right? It does. It does. 
That's one right. of my favorite songs, uh, if not my favorite song from this year's year's album uh, collection of songs. Uh, and it, this one has the baby snare. This is when I finally had bought that baby snare. So I had two snare drums because one snare drum wasn't enough. Um, I've got another one. And the story behind my kit, actually, one of the, I again, I was trying to copy Lars Ulrich, even though Metallica wasn't really my favorite band at that point. Um, I mean, they, I still re respected what Lars Ulrich was doing, uh, but I was introduced to Metallica when they had slowed down. Like, so Black Album and then Load, those were much slower than what the 80s Metallica versions were, but the kit was still massive. And so with my drum kit, I had basically, by this time, I was playing with two kits on stage. Uh, one, one bass drum because it was too heavy. I couldn't fit all the drums into my car at the time. So it was like, well, you're only taking one bass drum. But I had a double kick pedal. Uh, but then I had like baby snare, big snare, tom drum, tom drum, and then two floor toms, and then like six or seven cymbals. Just an excessive amount of um, percussion of stuff to hit. And I hit it Did all. You have the Did you have the roto tom there too? Or was that later? I always had them. Now, did I keep on bringing them? I can't remember. I know I think you did I near the end because they were very important to quarantine. But... Why were they important to quarantine? They were part of the drumline in quarantine. Huh, interesting. I've forgotten that part. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think I brought rototoms. I think it was because it was too much stuff to carry. And as I've aged, I'm like, you know what? I'm not playing that anymore unless I have a drum tech. And I did. Mike Dancero. Shout out to Mike Dancero, who was yes, my mic tech, yes. my drum tech for uh, for years. Uh, and he's finally joined Society. They're still around. Uh, yeah. and they're, they're playing the Winnipeg scene. But that drum kit I was just... I have a just, feeling he's going to be one of the people who tweets me. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Mm. Um, but that whole drum set was just massively, excessively large. And I had to... Because I lived on in the attic of my parents' house. Uh, that was where my room was, and that's where our jam space was. So that drum set had to get torn down, trudged down three Those flights stairs. of stairs. Those, Those tiny stairs. little stairs, God. man. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, stairs. Okay. Okay. So we say, because people don't know this, we say stairs. Stairs is being very generous. They were yeah. like a slightly oversized ladder. Is what it's, it was. it's a ladder. Yeah. Letter that you can't hold with your hands. Yeah, you can't hold with your hands. And they were they were painted. The house was probably built probably in the 1920s, 1930s, maybe, ish. And I'm pretty sure it was original paint on those steps. So they were slick. Yeah, that was, slick steps. Thinking about it now, that was a terrible idea for stairs. Should have put some yes. grip down. <laughs> we told you that many times. And what was worse is that uh, I'm not sure. Uh, by that time, by that time you guys had been coming over, I think the bottom part had been removed because one of the insurance inspectors came over and said, that is not safe. If someone's actually living up there, you can't have the stairs blocked by like this yeah. part wall that was put up. That was because it was an attic. And what had happened is that my dad um, actually rebuilt the attic. He, uh, he, th that was used as a closet before. I remember when I was growing up, that was a closet where all the suits were held. Uh, but then when he's like, oh my God, we have two more little kids running around, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to want their own rooms. So he redid the whole attic. And that's what my dad's project was for like a year and a half or something. He rebuilt the whole attic and that's where I, I spent most of my teenage years. And that's what allowed me to get a drum set was that's where I put it. Uh, and then I slowly kicked up my younger brother uh, because I just kept on slowly encroaching upon his part of the room. Um, and then he went off to university anyway. So 
Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was where taking all that drums down the stairs and then setting it all up and then taking it back and whatnot and fitting it into my tiny little car at that time, the Datsun. Um, I have fond slash not so fond memories of coming up to theirs and you when you would get, I don't, I, I don't know how many of your listeners know you that well, but um, could you actually, Steve, could you just turn your head to the left a little bit? A little, a little, a little more? A little, there you go. You guys can see that schnoz coming out of that face. Um, <laughs> when, when Steve would get colds, he would be an ever-flowing bucket of snot. And I would remember coming up to his attic and there was a garbage can next to his bed, which was right where I would stand for practice. And I would have to look down to this little tin garbage can just overflowing with used tissues when he was sick. That's gross. And you know what? I, uh, I, I realized what that might actually be because now uh, being older and having to like living in my own apartment, I get sinus issues. And I go, mm-hmm. why am I getting science issues? And now I'm thinking back to when I was in the attic. I'm like, wait a minute. I've always had this problem because the attic was filthy fucking dusty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And we had shag carpeting up there. So it was like, it was yeah. just, I think of it go, no wonder I was always just blocked up. So now I, I take steps. I cl- I have wood floors now and I, I don't, I clean everything all the time. So, oh yeah. Oh, I remember that. Oh, it's just terrible. Why, why am I always blocked up? Anyway. Uh, Mr. Fermanick, you have a visitor above your left. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to jump on the table and knock the, the phone up and destroy everything. <laughs> he's in, he's in, he's uh, the God of death. All right, so Alcanol. Wow. What can we say about this version of Alcanol? Uh, the gentleman who was recording it makes an appearance on this track. Yes, right there. Yeah, that's him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that is this, Jean. That's Jean. This uh, song, actually, this recording actually makes it sound like we have people at the show. Yes, we did, we did have show. quite a few people. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. like 100 people. It was like the most people that ever had come out to, to watch us. Oh, sure. And they were having yeah, a good time. That's because it was, the, it was the university crowd that we got. Uh, this was Wise Guys downtown, but uh, I knew a yeah. bunch of people, and I said, yeah, come on out. And I think we, the deal was that for every ticket that was turned in at the door, we got a dollar. And so we just gave everybody tickets. And even then, like even if it was free, people would still not show up <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's like people like uh we don't care it doesn't matter but the 100 people that did show up that day i think we made like i don't know 50 bucks or something Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. um i don't have much to say about alcohol other than that i, I like thought the song. when i wrote it i thought the title was very clever and now what do you think about the title i think it's um very clever for a 16 year old who wrote it it's a pun i hate puns god i hate puns the uh for those who are listening to the drum track uh if you're hearing i'm actually trying to use a double kick at the same time that i'm using the uh hi-hat so that's why there's that which is a ripoff of what clint was doing on the original track but i just because i had a double kick i'm like well if i have a double kick i have to use a double kick um, which is not how you're supposed to approach most musicality. You're supposed to use what's <laughs> no. necessary. Uh, but again, it goes back to the size of the drum kit where it's like, do you need all of this? I'm like, well, yes, I can play it. When you only use it once, 
do you need it? Do you could reevaluate whether or not you need to bring it with you, especially if it's a 16 or 18 inch tom drum where, you know, you hit it once and that's it. But uh, this You're drum- You're so zen now, man. Yeah, <laughs> three piece, that's it. If no, I use a tuna can, that's it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not carrying drums around. But this song was uh, always very excitable, uh, very exciting uh, for me to play because I, I love the whole energy from right from the intro throughout because uh, it, it moved. And then also because yeah. this song was always put together with a jam, usually Mrs. Alexander, which is the next song uh, on the track list. Uh, the the pre-outro in this one. Which pre-outro? Because oh, there's Jean right there. I'll the, play the... Uh, you're coming up to it. About, it's about 350. And then it goes into the... Yeah. This recording always bugs me because our first we're out of sync and then we go into sync right after it and it always bugs me when I hear this one because I'm like, we were so close and we just, just missed it on that one. Mm -hmm. The, um, was that bass solo planned, Mr. Furman? You got it like between two thirty and three minutes. You have a bit of a bass solo. Was that always I, there? Um, I'm gonna go back and listen to it again. I because I think that that's I, where the original I, tape cuts off. Is at that point. Yeah, I think I jumped it. I think I jumped the switch. I I would play something similar um, most of the time. I think because uh, I did. There there usually was a moment where I would where I would. I don't I don't know. I think I had a, a complete like solo break in there at some point. Um, usually, didn't I? Yeah, yeah there, there's a the, full-on um, solo there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah the but it, that was always there, the I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was like the bluesy the, bit in the middle. Yeah, it, always it would there, often yeah. go there. Yeah, yeah, like it would be variations on that. All right, I want to listen to the the end of it. Um, so queuing up at from about three thirty. So, Steve, you're screaming into the microphone as you normally do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're sort of getting into, like, the end of the, the slow part and then about to get into the, the really jigga, aggressive jigga, ending. Jigga. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. The jigga, jigga, jigga. I think I, even I'm off on the snare drum. Violence, pure violence. There it goes. And then right there. Okay, so from 415. Mm -hmm. That's my double kick that I've been working on for so long. Oh, it makes me jizz. It's fantastic. And it gets okay, even better for Mrs. Alexander. There's a moment coming up here. At, um, I'll tell you the exact time code when it hits. And then Furman, you could do a bit more of a solo at the end as well uh, for this. Mm -hmm. Because so uh, like right around. Yeah, well, right I, around. I, I was kind of the one that ended the jam, right? Like, because yes, I just yeah. start playing the, uh, the intro to. The seminal bass line of the whole album. Let's put it that yeah. way, aside from <laughs> Jelly Bean. <laughs> Around 4.30-ish, just a little after 4.30-ish, I think. Yeah. Da, da, 
Okay, so I do a little like kind of a little bend. And then Steve and I do this little like we both do the same run, like a bit do 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 do. I can't for anybody who's listening and actually cares at this point still, we made this up every single show. But that's how in sync we almost were, was that like I would do a wee 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 do, and we both knew exactly the next few notes I was going to play, and we just yeah. like if you listen to it, it sounds like it's planned. It's not. No, <laughs> just, not at all. Yeah, we, just, well, we did a lot of times, yeah. Like yeah. we got really in a good groove, yeah. But especially that, this one because we knew where we were going. Like I think it's cool the the one that because yeah. we we know we're getting to the E chord, we know we're getting into that like uh-huh. that it's going to speed up and it's going to get heavy, right? Like yeah, and then it goes can, into can. this riff. Can I can I play the the next riff? God, I love this riff. I love this riff. Right there, Mrs. Alexander. This is another one of your songs, there, Mister Fermanu. That's true. The, I wrote that when I was fourteen. Several decades ago. Really small, yeah. I played it with uh, with the band that I was in before this. You were in another band? With, uh, oh, with Mitch DeLott and Crystal. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, it was yes. called. Right. I do remember hearing about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to, we used to play that. And, uh, yeah, Crystal sang it not as well as you do no your vocals are <laughs> spot on for this type of song spot the fuck on. um now if you have a son of Gamora recording of that i mean that'd be great to hear well this is the death metal scatting i love this opening riff the the high pitch riff of the of the yeah. guitar line the way that you put that in there is beautiful like so like like you, it just feels like it's part of the jam and then just all of a sudden there's the snap of just like oh wait shit we're in a full-pledged song now mm, yeah that's well built i feel like um i feel like the the what do we say the the production or the arrangement of this song is very much uh based on the choices that you make guitar wise steve like in yeah, terms of the way that you're the, you, the, going from the muting going into or like starting off with the with the high notes and then moving into the chugging and then back into the into the palm muting and stuff like you're really like modulating the the tone and the balance of it really in well, a really in, in a, a way that really, song, really exciting. Right? yeah like there's so little to it right you have yeah, to take no what's there yeah. and really yeah, play with it. Shake yeah. it. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. when you guys first played this song for me, and Mr. Furman, you, I very clearly remember this comment that you made to me. Something about, oh, yeah, it's just Fat Boy Slim. And so I started playing Fat Boy Slim. Yes, I remember this. I and totally remember that. Now. That's the whole basis yes. of this drum beat for this song. Like, I thought it was, we were playing Fat Boy uh, Slim. Fat Boy Slim. That was it. And I remember that conversation. Turns out it was a different song. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep, I, I remember that song, uh, that moment very clearly. It was a formative moment in my drumming career. And then we get to the <sighs> breakdown funny. here at 2.30. There's Jean again with his screech. What's yep. the song about there, Mr. Furman? Explain it's, it's, what's this. Well, what when I was 14, is. I thought you had to write songs about things. So uh, it's it's about capital punishment. 
<laughs> Gassed up at Auschwitz um, or fried in God's own right. son. That's it. I thought I thought you should you should uh, use Nazi metaphors when I was fortunate. I thought that was the best way to get your your point across. I think um, it was Mrs. Alexander was was the lady who taught grade eight at the school I went to uh, before I went to oh, Raymond's Garden. It just fit the it fit the rhythm. It just right. fit like and I was like oh I'll 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 change that name later. And I never did. But um, <laughs> it's your Annie. It's your Wayne. That's just uh, totally what it is. It's totally what it is. It's like, I don't know, this uh, nothing sounds better than that uh, for what I was trying to do. But yeah, no, I was just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to write about something, you know, like about a thing, you know, like write an important song about a thing. So it's not directed at any one person here. I mean, it's just no. a couple. I mean, it, you, you do talk imaginary. about several yeah. ways of killing this person. Or, uh, but yeah. what's the story of like, how do you want your son? So. Who is the son? It's, she's she's the she's the she's the mother of uh, of, of somebody who's who's. Bad I, I was always kind of interested in, in those in those people. Like, I think maybe because I because uh, my brother was was born so so much younger than me. Like, like he was born when I was when I was eleven, and like so, I think I I was interested in the idea of like like a relationship with 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 children like what it would be like to you know what would it be like to, to have a child that did this or did that like those things are kind of interesting to explore and think about like some of those those characters that you don't um really get to get to see in these stories like like a, a really sympathetic character like the mother of somebody who did something terrible like that's a really interesting psychological place to be in right to to have to, to sort through the feelings that a person like that would have and I think I was trying to to dance with with those ideas and also make it political in some way. Do you think you succeeded with the political statement? Well, it's definitely in there. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> whether or not it's uh, it, it gets its 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 point across in an effective way, I think is for someone other than me to judge. But I kind of wonder. Uh... I think the the music for this song is so standout ish that I think you could literally just go. Da, 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 da. Well, it's mostly could, what I'm doing. Yeah, pretty much. Like you, your your vocals are just another instrument on top of it, through. and yeah. like you, I think it's the music that sort of steals the show in this. Uh, in this yeah, this it grinds song, it through. This, yeah, this part. The thing that steals the the show on this song for me every time because we played this song so many times. But this particular version is the shit. Oh yeah, those got longer and longer and longer. I don't know if you're actually saying something or if you're just grunting. But in this particular version, it is so glorious. I love it. Uh, No, it's death metal scatting, is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's Tom Waits. It's like Tom Waits and corn and that kind of stuff. That's what I'm. I'm just messing around making sounds and that's that happens at what just after three minutes i think well there's, uh, it, two, there's, there's one at the beginning and there's one at near it's pretty much one beginning. after every verse isn't there those two the one on the first verse and the last verse they they stand out 312 oh, gotcha. 312 yeah. i think yeah. here well I'll, I'll cue it up here one second yeah what do you say at 313 314 no idea <laughs> Three thirteen, three fourteen. But the, the vocality works, <laughs> which is great because after yeah. that, I'll cue us up from three ten.
and it goes into the most sweet and delicious double kick drum ever. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, God. This part was like, yes, I finally got it. Delicious. And the reason I had to do that snare drum roll was because I was getting tired. I'm like, I can't keep this going. I have to stop <laughs> double kick. So I'm going to do a snare drum and then go into single hits. You got to take care of yourself. That one's easier to to make my body last. But yeah, this is uh, one of the better double kick presentations that I had in my life and as a Winnipeg drummer. Um <laughs> I'm wondering now, because I've even listened to some of our other jams, and I'm wondering if now there were some kind of like subtle cues that I could hear, or both of us could hear, when you were getting tired of the double kick. (gasps) Because Because, if you listen to it here... Like, yeah, you do that snare hit to do a transition, but there's also a transition in the guitar and bass during that snare roll to kind of shift the tone musically a little bit to compensate for the fact that we're not getting blast beaded anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, well, we're filling we, in space, like, right? Yeah, we're slowing like, down. It's like we're we knew, yeah. right? Like, yeah. we could, we we just we knew each other's yeah. language at that point. Oh yeah. The uh, I can't remember, but this this wasn't the end of the show, was it? Mm-hmm. That that really? was the end so. of the show. Because then, huh. like, what I'm trying to think of the, no, the no, because we would have ended with had. pink napkins. Usually, yeah, yeah. So then, what would have the we, set list been in general? I think we usually followed Mrs. Alexander with either jelly bean or aconite. Hmm. Because we question. would do the double punch of Alcanol and Mrs. Alexander. So, yeah, then we'd usually probably go into Aconite, I think. Mm-hmm. To bring it back down. Oh, I have to look. Um, but then, okay, so then what would it be? What would the... Um, we go from... So, Jelly Bean would be after Mrs. Alexander. Depends on how we did the set that particular night. You should usually do it second last, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, we'd usually do jelly bean pink napkins. Yeah, that's usually when I would go. Uh, yeah. Alcanol and Mrs. Alexander. How many songs did we have back then? How many in total? I mean, we did 45-minute sets with, like, six songs. So <laughs> it was tough <laughs> to say. Wow, like, there were other ones, though, right? There was that metronome song. Metronome, um, yeah. There was... Uh, Why didn't we record that? a couple that? of the ones we played sometimes. We tried... Was a good song. God, I don't even, I don't even uh, remember metronome now. Now, I, now that you mention it, yeah, I. That's that what has been erased from my memory. I'm sure we have it on, uh, and I, on tape somewhere. And I'm sure there was a discussion as to why it was or was not included on the album. Well, um, I don't think oh, we had yeah. a good recording of it. Yeah, I don't think we had a recording that I was happy with. Well, Metronome we used to was play another one that you though, guys right? like, actually you had recorded, yeah. and I heard a tape of it, and I was like, okay, I got to play it that way. So that was like um, on a on a cassette that we recorded by pressing play record, right? Like it was was really, really like Steve, you weren't around for quarantine. Are you sure you weren't around for quarantine? Maybe, maybe like when it was getting developed and put together, but I don't think I ever played it. No, he never played it because that was, uh, that was insanity drumming. I remember that, which I have only recently been able to replicate on the iPad. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) 
What about Coat Hanger? I think you were yeah, a little Coathanger. bit. I think yeah. so. And then um, Make Me Happy. God, I wish that I would love. That is my quintessential. Like, that's the song. If I have to go to the grave with never writing another song, Make Me Happy is the one that I'm happiest with. Mm. And that was towards the end already of uh, yeah, it was. the series That was the one that I had to write story. the fucking bass line for Mike. Wow. Mm. Um, Coat Hanger. Furman Yuki, you were around for yeah. Coat Hanger. Yeah, Coat, Coat Hanger. Yeah. We start the, well, I insisted yeah. we'd start the show with Coat Hanger because it was a way to crack my vocals as the first song in the set. Right. And mm. that one's all about abortion. The old school way. The old style. And then there was uh, Coat Hanger got replaced by Ghost Like Me, Just Like Me. Just Like Me, yeah. Ghost Just Like Me. Yeah, because that was the other one that was stressed my voice early enough that I could get me ready for the rest of the set, which is a trip, trip, a trick, trick I learned from Dave Grohl actually. To he would what? always start a set with a he would always start a set with a song where he had to really push his vocals so that um, the rest of the set would be much easier for his vocals. He wouldn't have to worry for his vocals to warm up because he's already put pushed them right off the beginning of the set. Hmm. I wish I had a bit more direction in the pacing of my physicality throughout my sh- uh, throughout the shows, but it's not something I ever paid attention to. I was always like. I got drums, I got sticks, I'm going to play, and I'm going to have drink some beers. That was, was my approach. At the end of every show. Was that? I was wiped at every. At the end of every show, I was wiped. Yes, oh, yeah. but I mean, right. uh, you 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 scheduled the songs in an order that helped your voice, right? Like it was a logistical scheduling. Eh, just, Whereas, just like the, the drums were just like, all right, I mean, just going to go, oh, just going to do it. Actually, come to think of it, now that I think about it. Just Like Me was a really nasty song to make you start off with every set. The drums uh, just, for Just Like Me, or for not just like, um, yeah, just like, yeah, Just Like Me. The drums for that were very hard. I can't remember. Just Like Me. I, no, um, I've had a couple of other drummers try to do it, and they've, no one's been able to replicate it. Of course not, because it's me. Yeah, I just wish we had it recorded somewhere, but I don't think we uh, There is a recording. I know there is, but I didn't pop that up. Um on on the band camp so people who are listening if uh you've made it this far and you're not aware just yet we are on Bandcamp at sierrastears.bandcamp.com i will post that on the uh, uh the website so you guys can take a look at it um sierrastears.bandcamp.com yeah and I'll, I'll post that link there as well and also on my website as well what's that mr barry can i do a cheap pop as well sure go ahead um if anybody who's still listening at this point Thank you. You can find me at fuzzysteve at .bandcamp.com. Uh, so newer stuff there. Right. On, and then, but they can also get in touch with you over Twitter as well, at fuzzysteve. Yeah, reach out to three, me better. Three Zs, three Zs. Three Zs. Uh, Mr. Fermanuk, you do not want anyone getting in touch with you. Um, they can get in touch with me, but they just have to not, find me. Yes, they have to find you, especially not angry people who are going to try to cause trouble in his life. I don't want any trouble. No I don't want trouble. But if they did want to get in touch with you, uh, do you have a, you're not on Twitter, you're barely on Facebook. How do they get in touch with you? They can find me. They can come to Kitchener and I'm around. Uh, You know, sometimes I go out and have a bite to eat. 
There you go. That's 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 the old school style of finding someone, right? You know, I show your commitment. Yeah, you got to make the trip to the the mecca, the Steve Furman. That's mecca. right. Come on right. down. There's a bottle shop that I you might be able to find me at. And... <laughs> there you go. Uh, and of course, I I Steve Sirsky am on Twitter at Steven Sirsky, and then also my own website as well. All right, so this uh, today we have gone through quite a bit. We've gone through two albums in their totality, a Jelly Bean single uh, and then the Life After EP. Um, for those who are on the Bandcamp website, uh, you'll see that there are two more albums that are listed which are released later uh, after Mr. Feminuke Feminu left the band uh, for greater, greener pastures, uh, for other pastures. And I'm just looking at the track listing. There's six on one and then four on the other both recorded in 2003 uh, that have some of the later work with the the uh, newer bass player uh, Mike um, but some of them like yeah so some of them are newer songs that you won't hear on the old stuff but I think the stuff that we talked about today really did span what 10 15 years within your guys's musicality and with our own sort of development as a band over that time uh, and I think we've really did ex- talk a lot about both what these songs are, uh, and I think the people who are going to listen to them in totality, if they haven't heard them enough throughout this whole uh, <laughs> podcast, I mean, uh, go ahead, download them, listen to them in their totality, uh, let us know what you think. Um, I think it, it's good uh, to have a l- listen, and I'm surprised I haven't seen more people doing the exact same thing that we're doing, sitting down, listening to the albums that they made 20 years ago, maybe because they are, they don't need things to do on Saturday mornings or Friday nights, right? They have, they have other... <laughs> They have jobs that pay them money for these things or whatever, but it is what it is. Um, so, Mr. Beria, you owe us a, uh, a recording, a, a link, uh, payable immediately. This should be popped up by September 12th, Canada time. I'm not sure, given that it's a bit uh, lengthy. I don't know. Do you think it should be two parts or one one is good enough? I mean, I, I like the idea um, of just, uh, just having the whole there. thing. But the the problem, yeah, I, the only problem I, is that it's going to be a massive file. It's going to be like 200 yeah. megs to download. I think there's a very good natural breaking point if you want to do it that way, where we we had our, you know, kind of chit-chat that we did off the top, and then we went into the album stuff. I think there's a yeah. very good breaking point. That's there. true, actually, yeah. Um, we'll but, see how uh, big the file is. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a decent length, uh, which is good. I mean, you don't have to listen to those all in one go. It's something, which yeah. is what I like. I don't know what any of the podcasts that you guys listen to uh, but uh, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, even with no agenda, I don't listen to the whole thing. I find it very difficult to listen to uh, the yeah, whole thing. I, I skip out the sponsors, right? but I, I skip out the sponsorship on no agenda. But yeah, the longer ones you can skip, Brutal. and that's why I create the uh, transcript uh, or the, uh, the the bullet points throughout on the website so people can sort of you know figure out where they want to skip ahead and stuff like that. Uh, I think oh. it just makes it easier. So. Um, I do want to. I do want to say. I think that this is the first time the three of us have been in a room in much longer than it should have been. Yeah. Years. Very good. Very yeah. good to just get to hang out with two of you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank very you very much yeah. every day. Furman, you. I don't think I've seen you in person in five, six years at least. I think we might have met well, to each other in Winnipeg at one. In point. Winnipeg. Yeah. Did we? Like, I mean, when's the last time you were back? Uh, that like was for any length of time. But before that would have been 2013, 2014. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't remember. back much. Yeah, it's been a long time. Like yeah. a really long time. Yeah. 
could easily be over 10 years. Uh, you have the same beard. I just got rid of it and I grew it out long for the, for the, during the quarantine and then I shaved it up and then it just came back to normal just like <laughs> last week. I'm actually just I'll realizing now that I, I have inadvertently um, modeled my beard after yours somehow. Hey, I think it's the shape why? of the male. Don't mess with the best. Yeah, there you go. I think it's... No, no, because we've both got the trim down to the chin strap oh, there. Yeah. And... I don't do that. Yeah, underneath, I yeah. don't yeah, talk to my no. Not at all. But I mean, uh, in terms of the major change, in terms of aging, uh, I didn't have a beard twenty years ago. I wasn't able to grow. That's a beard, true. You Mr. were Fermi, You had a, a beard all the time, and then Beria, you had a massive foot sticking out of your chin back in your goatee the, yeah. that you had to shave or trim before certain shows because it got in the microphone at times. From what I remember, do you? Um, I'll, I'll if I can find it before. Um, this posts. I you don't got know 12 can, hours. There's that, there's that photo. Yeah. I need to sleep. I'm, um, there's a, remember we did a Halloween show at the zoo and I had that half skull mask. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That? that, that photo is somewhere. I remember that photo. Yeah. yeah. I know it's around somewhere. Um, He's that, a, uh, Steve's a vampire too at the, in that one. Yes. Isn't he? Like, yes, yeah. yes. That's exactly the photo. It's, I know it's around somewhere. I, I got an influx of photos, uh, with my parents recently. Um, but the, the mask had the, these teeth on it at the bottom, like little skull teeth, and they all hooked under. So while we were playing that show, my sweat pooled into those little teeth at the bottom of the thing. And then while we were playing Mrs. Alexander, because I don't have to go up to the microphone during Mrs. Alexander, I threw my head back like this and felt all of that, oh. that half hour stale sweat go right back up over top of my face oh that's very unpleasant yeah <laughs> yeah so the uh, things we do for, for our, our art. yeah right uh well you gotta suffer for your art i mean isn't that the the common saying but oh that's gross that's terrible i mean yeah <laughs> and imagine how slipknot does it i mean they they play full shows with it i know i'm sure yeah. they've learned ways to mitigate that because i'm sure it's happened to them too yeah all right. Well, with that, uh, we will wrap it up. That's been a solid, uh, good couple hours conversation. I appreciate you guys taking the time to join me today. Uh, and I know oh, it's, awesome. Thank it's you. getting it's getting late over in uh, your your area. It's pretty, it's pretty deep in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Mr. Barry as well. You're getting late, uh, pushing past midnight over in your area. Uh, me, I've got another. I'm going to go for a run again. I guess why not? It's only half day here. Why not do but, seven thousand um, push-ups and. Yeah. <laughs> That's an idea. May as well. Yeah, I'll put go. all the links on the show notes uh, and people can get in touch through uh, Twitter and my website and whatnot if they want any more information. And of course, Bandcamp. They can download all of the stuff. SiersTears.Bandcamp.com I'll have to spell that out on the show notes because no one's going to spell it correctly. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Have a great night and uh, we will talk again uh, sometime yeah, in the future. Stream. I mean, we've gone through the stuff that we made uh, and who knows, Mr. Furmanuk, if you want to come back on and talk about your theater stuff, your theater work as well. Uh, as well. Anytime, would, absolutely. I would love to do an hour about what was what was the play called again? Sorry. Oh, sound of your eyes closing. I would love to do that. Do you have a I recording? Talk about of that for sure. Uh, somewhere in the world there is one. Yeah. Well, we can dig on it out. some hard drive. It wouldn't do it justice. Somewhere. It would not do it justice, though. It yeah, it was just for archival. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. wasn't particularly well well professionally done. But. I think a lot well, of stuff yeah, that was recorded. Yeah, we certainly talk about that. Archival. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll yeah. we'll leave that for another episode. 
Why not? All your all your thespians that are in training right now, they can uh, come back and have another listen. Right on. Okay, we'll end oh, it there. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we'll talk again. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Good night. Love you all. Good night. Awesome. Love you too. Love you too. And that is the end of episode number 16 of the Steve Masursky podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's a very long one, uh, but I think uh, it was good to sit down. Uh, great to sit down with uh, Steve and Steve and go through some of the, our, our old work, all of our old stuff. Uh, and you can, again, listen to that um, both online. You can stream it on Bandcamp. Or you can download it. You can uh, donate if you want. Uh, not necessary, but we, of course, appreciate any uh, anything that you have to give. Um, and uh, for all those artists out there, I hope this really did serve as a bit of a uh, inspiration for you. Uh, I know that we were joking around with uh, Steve Barry there and publishing something. I think it is very important to make sure that you are able to do that. Uh, stop overthinking. Stop thinking about it. Uh, press play. Press publish. Uh, just get it out there. It's better if it's out there so you can move on to the next thing rather than always thinking, what if? Oh, I need one more piece of technology. You don't need any more technology. You need to work with what you're given. And sometimes that means just recording a rough edge sort of um, uh, track or uh, piece of whatever it is and then publish it so other people can uh, have a listen. And it's not even just so much for other people to have a listen or to, to, to critique. It's to get it out of your system. Because if you don't publish it, it's going to sit there. You're going to dwell on it. And it's not doing anyone any good, least of all you. All right, so thank you very much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.